3: Hi, this is Tony Cotty, and you're listening
4: to the We Are West Ham podcast. You are listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, and my pal, James Jones. West Ham United have just come off of the back of an excellent 2-1 win against Everton at home at the London Stadium. Wonderful way to bounce back from the international break. Big bad Jared Bowen coming back from his injury as well, popping up with a goal. All in all, very comfortable, very nice stuff and a very important good win at London Stadium. Uh, Jonesy, it's been a bit of a crazy week for the pair of us. I was on holiday in the mountains in France last week, which is why we didn't release a podcast. You have jetted off to sunnier climbs in Dubai this week, um, but we figured we'd better log in, say hello to each other more than anything else, um, have a little reaction to a West Ham win, and look ahead
3: to what's another huge fortnight for the club. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. I've been, I've been dragged off the beach to do this, um, which I don't mind. I actually don't like the beach, so um, I don't miss oh, me much, too, mate. Me I too. I the beach, like literally. Having this exact
4: conversation only
3: yesterday. Yeah, like, it's Lucy's the same. If, if we didn't have Harrison, we'd be nowhere near a beach on this other day. Absolutely. Yeah. No way. Should, like, rather, rather sit by a pool all day. Um, right, talk, and that, talk me through it. Talk me through it. Why don't you like the beach? Um, because sand gets everywhere and it just oh stays God. everywhere. Yeah. Like you go away, you go to the beach and you come back with half the beach. Right? And then you could be, you could be back home in the UK for a month and you're still finding sand. Yeah. It, yeah. It gets, it's just sitting at a, work. Exactly, yeah. And it gets but you it's in the that you don't really ear. want. Yeah, you, like, all in the weird and wonderful places you don't really want sand to be. You don't want function there, do you? It, no, and even though you've had about hundred showers since, it's still yeah. there. Yeah, um, <laughs> don't really like it in the tomb. I'm not. I'm not a great fan of the sea. Um, no
4: dirtier water than like salty and stinging your skin. Yeah,
3: I mean I've unknown been in the sea. plants
4: and creatures.
3: I've been in the sea today because I thought well, as I'm here, I might as will jump in. Yeah, in for a um, penny. And I already feel a little bit like weird now just feel grubby yeah. grubby and i definitely need a shower yeah um <laughs> so, <trying> help. <laughs> exactly so yeah i mean if we if we didn't have the kids with us we'd be absolutely nowhere near a beach but unfortunately you kind of gotta suck it up when you've got the kids so um, yeah
4: yeah fair i see mate there's a thing every now and then we might have our you know um sort of light hearted disagreements around football every now and then. But there's something that will come up every now and then that sort of reminds me why we're such close pals. <laughs> and uh and that right there is one of them. Only yesterday, honestly, it was literally within 24 hours I was having this conversation. Um it came off the back of a a chat about uh, Married at First Sight Australia, which I just like to place on record. Uh, I don't watch ever. Um And, yeah, and there was a discussion. Someone said, apparently someone on the show was saying that her partner, who she just married without ever having met, uh, I don't, you know, it's not going to work out because we don't like we like completely different things. You know, I like the beach. He doesn't. uh, I like the gym. He doesn't. So on, so on. And that sparked a conversation um, about, yeah, I don't know how or why anyone likes the beach, really. And I'll be honest, mate, I, I got sort of quite slandered for it. It was, uh, I put, well, yeah, I put four and I find that a lot. A lot of people have got a real like cult-like attitude towards their love for beaches. Um, (laughs) And uh, yeah, and honestly, just, yeah, it's almost like looking at you like you've got two heads because you don't like all of your crevices having unwanted friction Um, and going in the sea, likely cutting your feet up on stones, depending on what sort of beach it is. Coming out with random bits of plants on you that you don't know what they
3: are. Jellyfish you men- threat, it's grim. You, you mentioned the the stones. I mean, because this is a man-made beach. Because I'm in Dubai, mm. I'm on the Palm, so it's all man-made. It's mm. not the type of beach sand that you'd expect. It's quite stony. Right. Lots of little rocks. It's all really like it's like almost. It's not, I won't go as far as say gravel, <laughs> um, but like the only way I can describe, if you put gravel into a blender and blended mm. gravel up, it's like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So not. It's even worse on your feet. Not relaxing. Not great. Not great. Or comforting. Um, no. No. So um. Yeah. I'm quite glad you pulled me away, mate. Well, mate.
4: Yeah. I'm, honestly, mate. I'm glad we're on the same page, and I'm glad we can broadcast this message. And if anyone else is sort of, of the same opinion, the Anti Beach Brigade. Uh, by all means, get in touch at We Are Underscore West Ham on Instagram. We Are West Ham Pod. Um. Yeah, so I mean, we're glad we have put that to rest, mate. I spent last week up in the mountains in France skiing. No such bother. Um, kept all most of my clothes on all the time, apart from bedtime. Um, yeah, no, no fuss about walking through sharp snow or sharp rocks on my feet. I mean, did come back a bit battered and bruised, um, but yeah, no, no such, uh, no such problem whatsoever. There was some artificial snow. But, again, you've got shoes on, so uh, it doesn't really matter. Um, West Ham, Jonesy, I suppose we better move on. I, you know what? Just on that, the beach chat there, I think, you know, when compared with emails, uh, shed chat, uh, and some of the other mundane topics we've kicked off these podcasts with in the past, uh, I reckon that the beach chat there will ring true with a few more people, as opposed yeah. to the shed one, which, let's be honest, really did miss the mark.
3: Yeah, it's more relatable, isn't it? Yeah,
4: I think so. The new building a kids relatable. shed on yeah. your
3: balcony. Yeah, yeah, all day long. Um, hopefully, we can think of more relatable uh, mm. issues and dilemmas to to, to open the pod up in the future. I'll think of some more while I'm on while I'm on this. Mm. Um, on this one one thing that might be relatable or not, mate. All of the
4: footage that I took um, of me skiing last week around four hours or so. Um, as I went to upload it on the last day to my laptop, all corrupted and I've lost all, all the pictures and the films. And I'll be honest, I don't really know if it's a good reflection of me or not, but I feel proper gutted about it, even still. And I don't know if it's because I'm a product of 20... I'd like to think I'm not a product, sorry, of 2022. I like to keep my screen time down and you know, I like to, I'm not too worried about screens and social media and all that sort of thing. Um, but I feel genuinely gutted and like, I can't shake it. I sort of wake up every day and I'm still in a bad mood about it and still upset about it. Um, and I don't know really how to feel about that.
3: It's a lot of hours of footage to lose though. So I could... yeah, like all
4: my pictures and stuff. I've got a few on my phone, but I was doing them all on my GoPro and uh,
3: yeah, I went to upload them and just wiped. I, I mean, I, I don't really use a GoPro, so I wouldn't know. It's just don't like know where phone. you've gone wrong, mate. It's like imagine. Remember the old days with
4: digital cameras. Yeah, No, it's just the same as that. just got a fisheye lens on it, and you can put it in a protective case and do action stuff with it, and it goes in water. But basically, just like a digital camera, where you used to have to plug it into a computer and upload the photos after you've taken them. Absolutely heartbreaking. I'm still not really over it, and it's, what is it now, Tuesday? <laughs> uh, Monday, sorry. <laughs> I got back on Saturday. Not good, not good. Anyway, mate, let's talk about football, shall we? Seven minutes and 20 seconds of, uh, of holiday chat. Um, yeah, West Ham bounced back from the international break. Uh, I was fairly remote, so I didn't really, didn't manage to catch either of the England games, um, while I was up all the signal and, and the French people didn't seem overly bothered about showing, uh, England versus the Ivory Coast, which we did try and put on, um, when we were in a, a, pub quiz, but yeah, no one interested in that at all. So I missed sort of a bit, a little bit disengaged, a little bit disconnected, which was nice um, for the week, so missed the international stuff, but um, as far as West Ham go, a decent game on, on Sunday at Everton neither of us were there, I had to work, you were obviously on holiday already, I did watch it um, in relative fullness in work, but I uh, saw some of your social media stuff, you were enjoying yourself uh, in a bar in Dubai um, where there was a West Ham scarf pinned to the wall underneath, I understand
3: Yeah, well the, the hotel I'm standing has got a sports bar I went in and literally the first thing I see is a West Ham scarf pinned under the TV. And it was a, an immediate reminder of how outrageously massive we are. Hmm. But we've got, you know, we've we're, we're taken, you know, prior place under the TV, you know, the, the Barcelona flag's a little bit further over, get yeah. out of the way. It in the corner about, almost. Don't worry yeah. about those, you know. They signed Messi shirts, um, yeah. signed Suarez shirts. They're all kind of tucked away a little bit. Yeah. West Ham flag, West Ham scarf, front and centre of everything. Wonderful. like it, mate.
4: Like it was the owner of West Ham fan per chance or?
3: No, he was running a PhD shirt, Just, which I found really? quite odd. Ooh. But yeah.
4: Very Just respects enormous football clubs. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Can, why couldn't you? Yeah. Fair play, mate.
3: Fair play. Well, uh, look, I mean, it, it very
4: much reminded me, Jonesy, of um, I've seen a few tweets that effect. very much reminded me of that Villa game um, not long ago, the home win at London Stadium. Just And you go, what a good win that is. I know Everton are rubbish, to be fair and they were, again. Um, it's a shame watching Frank Lampard suffering, wasn't it, really, on the sideline? Um, <laughs> yeah, but um, overall, I, I, I thought West Ham played pretty well. Um, the post-international break games can sometimes be awkward. Um, I think it's Tom Rennie who works for Talk Sport, fairly prominent West Ham fan on Twitter, tweeted something along the lines of, Yeah, West Ham are getting so good at, like, sort of grinding out reasonably uninspiring, like, you know, unspectacular wins. But he's spent a lifetime watching us lose games like that, which Mm. is is so true, isn't it? And, you know, we've had some great games this season as well. But we've also picked up some sort of gritty, like, yeah, unglamorous,
3: but ultimately still just as valuable three points hundred percent. We've said it previously as well. You know, Mason Holgate equalises. by Ham will go on to lose that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we've bounced straight back and gone up the other end and scored. Um, having, you know, I think we, we had the better of the ball throughout the game. Um, by far, the better team. Hmm. Uh, I think they had one or two chances for Charleston. They had one or two, didn't they? But other than that, I mean, we were relatively comfortable up until when they equalise, which is the flukiest deflection you'll see. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, you know, if that doesn't come off four ounces foot, then it's going, you know, miles wide on the other side of the goal. Yeah, and well, that could it easily balloon over or ricochet yeah. back out, couldn't it? And yeah, it's, de- yeah. it's deflected into the other side of the goal. So, it is what it is. But, you know, when you can see an unlucky goal like that, you know, previous West Ham teams probably would have crumbled there and, there and then. Mm. But we've gone down the other end. Um, great to see Jared Bowen back and back on the score sheet. Massive boost for us. Um, but yeah, I agree. I agree that you know, something David Moyes has instilled something into this squad that means that not only do they know how to grind out results, regardless of you know the performance, um, but they also don't really know when they are beat. I don't really know. You know, they, they refuse to kind of settle for anything. You know, they're, they're always trying to trying to go and get get one more. Um, so, yeah, really, really encouraging and um, really important three points, actually, when you look at it in terms of the race for for top six.
4: Yeah, exactly. Well, the win, the, the win sort of put us sixth. We're sixth at the moment. 31 games played, 51 points. Man United, one place below us, but albeit having played a game less. Uh, they're on the same points as us. Wolves are two points behind us in eighth. And then there's a significant gulf between us and Leicester City, although they have played... Uh, f- Three games less than us. So if they get their full uh, nine points out of that, they'll still only be on 46. So you're talking um, five points behind us or whatever. So, I mean, I I think, obviously, as we said, I would say top eight is pretty much locked in. Um, There'd have to be some serious, like, wrongdoing or serious cock-ups for for that not to happen. We are still in the mix. I would say the odds are against us to finish in the top six. Um, But it's just nice still being in that conversation because obviously the teams above us have all played games, less games than us now, excuse me. But as we've said, a couple of weeks in the run, it just keeps us in the mix and it's another solid season and shows the progress we're making as a club. And with the Europa League progress that we've made as well, um, it's still reasons to be positive and gives us hope because you don't know what's going to happen come the end of the season. We've still got to play. Arsenal, of course. Uh, Arsenal still got to play Tottenham, so the teams around us are going to drop points. Uh, albeit, our focus will probably be on the Europa League, and our running is sort of a little bit sticky. Um, but all in all, mate, uh, positive. You've Just got to beat what's in front of you. Uh, we'll go on and react to that Everton game, Jonesy, in a little bit more detail in a minute. Just a reminder: it's been new. It's been two weeks since you last heard from me and Jonesy. So follow us on Twitter at we are underscore West Ham We're on Instagram we are west ham pod facebook search we are west ham podcast do the same on youtube where you find our channel and you can email us if you want that we are west ham pod at gmail.com the the links to all the ways you can follow us and contact we are west ham and all our social media platforms etc are included in the description to this podcast and don't forget you can if you so wish buy us a beer and support the podcast at buymeacoffee.com slash we are west ham that's buymeacoffee.com slash we are west ham Can donate to the cause for as little as a fiver. Me and Jonesy are heading out to Lyon together um, for the away leg of that Europa League quarterfinal. Very exciting stuff indeed. And rest assured, any money uh, from the coffers will be going. Uh, behind the Leon bars to keep James and I watered. A little bit of a different show this week. So it's been difficult the last couple of weeks. Appreciate you bearing with us. Uh, Couldn't do anything last week because I was away and the Wi-Fi was non-existent up in the mountains, unfortunately. Um, Jonesy away this week. So it's a little bit of a hodgepodge, but we'll do our best to get something um, out to you that resembles a normal pod. And then next week we'll be back at it as usual when Jonesy's back. Uh, coming up on the show this week, then we'll have a bit more in-detailed reaction to that Everton game. Uh, we'll do the Betway charity bets and we'll look ahead to Brentford and Leon in some way. Whether we'll have the opposition views or not, I'm not sure. Uh, and then we'll have some final thoughts. And me and James, you'll say goodbye. James, you can get back to the beach begrudgingly. Um, And I can get back to living my normal life grieving for all those photos and videos of me doing awesome tricks on the uh, in the French Alps last week. Let's crack on. Without further ado, Everton reaction next. Josie, come on in. What um, you probably had a more relaxing view of the West Ham Everton game than I did. Uh, what was your sort of main takeaways from the whole thing, really? Cresswell opening the scoring with a phenomenal free kick, Holgate's fluky equaliser as you mentioned, Bowen gets one back, uh, then Michael Keane gets sent off for a daft second yellow, win. I didn't really feel nervous at, at any points, but what were your uh, takeaways from the whole thing? No, I
3: think it was, um, I think it was a just a nice. A nice performance. It wasn't our best performance of the season. I don't think we came under any particular danger or pressure from Everton. I know they had one or two chances for Charleston. I went over and he rounded uh, Fabianski at one point as well, didn't he? Um, which Fredericks did really, really well to, to track back and defend. But other than that, I really felt like we were in control. I would have liked us to have been a little bit more clinical in front of the goal. And I think that's been the story of quite a few of our games this season. Kind of like to be a little bit more clinical. But I mean, that's just you know been a little bit picky, given that we've got the three points we won two one. Um, I think all round it was a it was a good performance, really important three points as we've already established earlier on. And I think I think the big bonus is just seeing Jared Jared Bowen back, and also that he, he wasn't he didn't play the ninety minutes. I was a bit worried because you know what Moise is like with his subs doesn't really likes to make make very many of them. And I was like, oh, don't throw him in for ninety minutes straight away, Dave. Like. I'm surprised he's even started, given we've got a big game on Thursday against Lyon. Um, but he got, what, an hour, 70 minutes, got the goal, came off, a little bit of a rest before Thursday. Um, so, yeah, that was a big positive. And just love Cresswell banging one in. Everyone knows he's a Liverpool fan as well, so yeah. I really particularly enjoyed that. Mate, uh, the so,
4: celebration.
2: Yeah.
4: That was my favourite bit of the whole game. That was so yes. brilliant. Right. And that's just go, let's just, there's hardly any of that in football anymore, is there? Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's all a bit watered down and a bit nice these days, isn't it? And I'm not harking back to the old days of like, Vinnie Jones going in knee high on people, but there there is a little bit of needle gone out of it. It's all very, especially at the Premier League level, it's all very, all very sanitised. Nice. Yeah, yeah. sanitised is the perfect word, mate. It's exactly what it is. Um, yeah. So to see him just like giving it to, and he explained afterwards, didn't he? There was I read a good interview he did with the Times. Um, you know, just saying, yeah, a load of my mates who are fans give me stick all the time. Uh, when we played away there the other week, they'd move their season tickets right at the front along one of the sides. So they could give me stick all game. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I proper I love Sport Liverpool and I love scoring. Um, <laughs> he, he was like, and even he was like, oh, I might have gone over the top a bit. No, you didn't. You nah. jumped up in the air, cheered, like you didn't start. Goading him or anything like that, you just celebrated a goal that you scored in front of him. Like, go for it, mate! I thought it was absolutely yeah. brilliant.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I think if anything, he didn't celebrate enough. I thought he should, yeah. have, been, should have gone in. Uh, should have really gone in. But lovely free kick. I, I read a uh, stat just before we came on actually that he's now scored more direct free kicks for West Ham than any other player in Premier League history. Yeah, which is interesting. True. He's got four. Do you know, uh, who, do you know
4: who beat? Yeah,
3: he Pirate, beat Pyatt.
4: Hmm. Yeah. He was asked about it afterwards, wasn't he, Cresswell?
3: Was he? Yeah, I he didn't said, I didn't how see do you post-match. feel about
4: that? When he said, well, I've been here eight years, Pyatt was here one, so shows you how good he is compared
3: to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, true. But it's good to see him take that. I mean, again, after That's game... That's poor it's, for us, though, isn't it, mate? It is poor. Our most direct kicks ever well.
4: has scored
3: four. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but... What servant he's been, by the way, Chris hmm. I think he's closing in on 300 appearances for us. Like, what an absolute hero of a player for us over the last eight years. Um, it's good to see well, him double Noble figures goes, for goals as longest...
4: well. Yeah, that's right, mate. Yeah, well, well, when Noble goes, he'll be the longest serving player. Um, yeah, yeah man, and you know, he's playing some of the best football his career again. I was one of them, and so many other fans thought he was done, didn't they? Yeah. Right. thought... For a while it seemed like, you know, he was gone. But he's 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 back to he's more refined, he's a different player to the one that came first time, relied on his pace a lot more. But yeah, he's he's an absolute class act now, isn't he? And and sort of one that I'm delighted to see thriving so well. And he's his ambition's clearly still there as well. In that interview I was saying with the Times, I think it was Jonathan Norcroft. Um, you know, and he was just saying how much he'd love to win a trophy still. He's still got that hunger, even though I think he's thirty one. Uh, So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Brilliant to see him get on the score sheet as well. Holgate equalised. Totally against the run of play, wasn't it? Undeserved, I thought. Everton, I didn't think, did much at all, really. Um, Right. I'll tell you, actually, before we get on to that, Mikhail Antonio, I'm just going to... I'm not going to say anything first. Thoughts?
3: Um wasn't his worst performance for us uh, I think at times he was quite useful but I still think he could he could do better I still think he can do, he can do a lot better I don't know he, he's, he's, he's at a stage now this season where he'll have one or two games where he's just absolutely brilliant for us even if he doesn't score he's just crucial to all of our build-up play the Seville game Seville game being yeah. being the main one but he's, he's, he's had a few more and then he'll have a game or two where he just kind of almost just sort of in and out of the game a little bit, a little bit less consistent, a little bit more, less imposing on the defenders. Um and I think he, he had moments against Everton, but then, you know, I do wonder whether, like David Moyes has said, you're playing 90 minutes, so reserve some energy, please. Because you're playing on, you also playing 90 minutes against Leon on Thursday. Yeah, and 90 that. minutes always because you're only sent forward. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe that's it. Maybe he's just holding off a little bit and picking, picking and choosing when to it, when to go, go full throttle, I don't know. Hmm. Um, that one where he, he, he rounded the keeper, Pickford. Oh mate. Right. He, he, that, that, he, just watching it going, he's he's already dragged that way too, way too yeah. wide for the angle. Cut he, back, shot, cut back, no, composure. The shot, yeah. The shot was never on. No. Never on. Ever and he still he still tried and it's like, yeah, yeah Nick what are you doing mate? Like, he must oh. have you must be able to tell that yeah. that angle's too tight yeah and the, because because he's running away from the goal as well
2: hmm. for him
3: to get his body around it and then get it on target at that angle hmm. anyway is going to be too difficult
2: yeah
3: it's so, like mate why even cross it there Contra- just turn just turn. do a little turn keep us on the yeah. floor like you got loads of time you have got hmm. Bowen running in uh, on the penalty spot do yeah. something.
4: Just calm down and
3: reset. He hasn't scored for ages, has he? So I think he was more like, oh, I need to get going.
4: Yeah, but uh, mate, that's that's not professional. Yeah. You gotta no, forget that, haven't you? It's not, but
3: I don't know. I don't know. It's frustrating, but he did have some moments. I don't think it was right.
4: Difficult. Okay, the other one as well, right? Yeah, I was getting pelt because I was in the office and everyone was watching it. Um, I was getting pelters because I'd already been giving him stick. I think the the Bowen's goal came after that moment you're talking about, didn't it? Um, yeah. when he rounded the keeper. So I've been giving him a bit of stick for that. And so then he's through on goal then, isn't he? From the cock up in the middle from Iwobi, wasn't it? Yeah. I um, think four Nails it was, who's pass sprang yeah. him through. Really good, good, quick, good reactions. Um. So Antonio's bursting through and I'm going, ah oh, no, here we go. And sure enough, like he just couldn't tell where he was going. He didn't know what he was doing. He's just like, shinning the ball forward um and again that penultimate touch before he got his shot in quotation marks away was awful wasn't it it was just another dreadful one that he didn't wasn't doing it on purpose he was just like running with his eyes shut might as well been and then uh, everyone in i'm going ah as soon as he missed i've like been fuming and then Bowen knocks it in everyone in the office is laughing at me but It wasn't on. They're they're like laughing as if it was on purpose. What had he done? It was like a total no. fluke. That could have ball could have bounced anywhere, and that's another huge opportunity that we've fluffed. And I just I again we've said this already, and it almost feels you almost feel a little bit bad. But I do sort of giving him stick about it because he's he's just like the position he's in is a weird one where. He's the only striker. He himself said that we need to buy another striker. He himself mm. said it as the mm. only striker. So he's obviously aware that a bit of competition helps. But yeah, and uh, you know, uh, so I stuck up for him to the hilt after the Seville game. But I, I yeah, I, I'm. I'm not, well, I think I know what the answer is. Is is we should have had another another striker on on the books already to either rest him or just give him confidence or whatever it's just so boring having these conversations mate and but and yeah I I don't know is it fair to do you think we should be expecting more of him and saying well look you need to be more consistent and you need to find somehow some way of motivating yourself because I don't really I sort of there's a little bit of that but compared to if you compare that against whether we should have bought someone or not might I lay the blame at should have bought someone
3: I mean, yeah, we definitely, we've spoken about it so many times, mate, we definitely has brought someone. Um, in fact, he's even said it, says a lot. But I think we're at a stage now with Antonio and in, in his West Ham career. Is that I, I don't think we, we should be expecting too much of him as an out-and-out striker. I think his game and what he's asked to do by David Moyes is actually a lot more than that. I think, um, like, the performance against Sevilla, for, for instance, where he was just he was tasked with just putting defenders left, right, centre to allow us to counter-attack with the likes of, you know, Lanzini, Fournals, Bowen. So, Bowen wasn't playing against Sevilla, but um, those sort of players. And, you know, we counter-attacked quite a few times against Everton. Um, so, maybe that's what we should be... We should maybe just not expect him to be scoring every week and actually just expecting him to be a little bit more busier against the defenders to allow our other attacking players behind him to really start finding space. And, you know, that's his job is to create space for the likes of Ben Rahman and Bowen. Um, and maybe that's just him now. We shouldn't be expecting him to bang a goal in every week like he was at the beginning of the season. Maybe it's, his role's changed. Maybe David Moyes has asked to do something a little bit different. I don't know. I think that's where we're at with him now. But honestly, right, that Seville game... He was he was like a different player. He wasn't just
4: good at doing the things he normally does. He was like, he was so up for it. Yeah. And he was doing these little first-time things and just trying things and keeping defenders on their toes. And he just looked faster and stronger and fitter all of a sudden. And maybe it was because it was a cup game and a one-off and and you put in that extra five or ten percent maybe and where the league you know there's another X amount of games afterwards so perhaps you do leave a little bit out there and perhaps unlike some other players that extra five percent with him is is really noticeable um but yeah I don't know I just it just seems it, I I can't honestly understand it either aside from should have bought someone or not is how at the beginning of the season he's like unorthodox style, where it's fair to say, you know, some people go, he doesn't. Defenders don't know what he's doing, and neither does he. Well, okay, well, you know, maybe, but it was working, wasn't it? Mm. And but and which seemed to give him confidence and all that sort of thing. I just don't understand now because he still looks the same that he doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, but defenders seem to more and more. And like I say, just when he's running through the other day. You could just tell there was no... There didn't seem any sense in his head of, right, I'm through on goal. I'm going to shape up on my right foot um, or keep it on my left or whatever. It seemed more like, oh, God, I've just got to sprint in a straight line and try and keep the ball at my feet. And because West Ham fans will know, having watched him, when you're watching him run with the ball, that mm. sprint with the ball... You're almost 50% of the time waiting for him to just club hammer it way too far or out for a throw-in or a goal kick or straight into the path of a defender, aren't you? And and I just find – and again, it's not giving him stick for that, but I think if we want to be where we want to be, we've got to have a bit more quality than that, don't we? Because you're not thinking out and out centre-forward – played in at that position. I know we was sort of all right because Bowen scored at the end, but scores that. Like, a proper centre-forward goes through and scores that.
3: Yeah. He does. Bowen scores that.
4: Pretend, yeah, probably.
3: He scores yeah. that. And he's um, a winger. I, yeah, I mean, that's what I mean, though. It's like, are we expecting too much from him in those sort of positions? Like maybe that's just not, not his role. <laughs> um, like, I just don't, but then we I've definitely been... need to buy someone else.
4: Well, yeah, we I mean
3: that's, a... that's, that's not a secret, though, is it? Like we've been able to buy someone for the last eighteen months, um, but we haven't, and that's kind of so we've got him until at least the summer. No, I, I actually have no faith in the club to buy a striker in the summer either. It's got that bad. Like it's just like you know, it's going to be another another <clears> three months <throat> in the summer of going, going links with every single striker on, on the planet. Yeah. Antonio signs um, a new three-year deal. Yeah, and then Antonio announces that he's going to be here till he's 50. So, like, yeah, great. Nice. Um, but yeah, right. I, I just don't think I don't think we can expect too much of him now. And if he scores, great. If he doesn't, then you, know, you kind of feel relatively comfortable that he can still do do a job that will allow our other attacking players to mm. to, to get on the score sheet. Yeah, because I'll say all this, by the way.
4: This is why I brought it up. Sky gave him man of the match. And on their little stats thing that came up, you might know better than me because you're a big stats man. He was like top for, I don't know what it was. I didn't see what the categories were. They like runs made, shots made, chances created, whatever it was. Um, yeah, I just... I just and again everyone was laughing at me in the, in the office for that when he was given the, man of the match. Man of the match,
3: I mean, really. Yeah, I don't think he was man of the match. I, the, the shots thing's weird. Like I don't know why you put that on the graphic like that if he if he hasn't scored. It's like, oh what he's had eight shots, but he's not scored yet. It's not really a good thing to show, is it? Yeah. Like, you know, he's had more shots than anyone else. Congratulations. Like mm. but I might maybe it's very difficult though when you base a man of the match based on solely statistical um Evidence like there has to be. You have to look at it, look at other factors as well. I think, but he wasn't another match for me.
4: No, nah, nah, fair enough. So, what do you make of the rest of it then? Um, yeah, with the gate gate i I've already mentioned, which was a fluke. Um, Bowen's one, which we we've touched on there. Um, anything else that sort of stood out for you that you know worth? Um, you felt you must get off your chest?
3: No, nah, not really. Um, did did laugh a lot at the red card just like well that's dope <laughs> yeah just watch it back and just think what on earth was he thinking there like already been booked um, yeah I thought that was quite funny I uh, really enjoyed seeing Frank Lampard's face at the full time whistle um, and all in all yeah it was a, a relatively uneventful game apart from apart from the red card really and then was free kick the rest of it was kind of you, you forget it quite quickly I think
4: yeah, that, which is funny, isn't it, for a, a game with three goals in it and a red card? Yeah, you're right. It is almost one where you go, oh, well, yeah, I can't when, at the end of the season maybe we do the end of season review. That is definitely one I'll see the score of and go, oh, better watch the highlights of that, even though we'll probably be doing that in only six weeks' time. Yeah. Um, listen, mate, nonetheless, it's a good win. Leaves are sort of in the mix um, for that European competition still, odds are against us like I've mentioned but um, by no means over uh, Josie with our, our games we've got left then and obviously Leon is Thursday, so which we'll cover but we'll just stick sort of with the Premier League stuff while we're in that section we've got Brentford away Sunday Burnley at home Chelsea away Arsenal at home Norwich away Man City at home Brighton away oh, I can't be bothered to end the season with another draw against Brighton which is obviously going to happen but from those games there, realistically, I know it's a bit of a futile endeavour because obviously we'll have the Europa League quarterfinal, semi final, and final to weave into those uh weave into those Prem games as well. Um, how many how many points do you think out of those? Brentford away, Burnley at home, Chelsea away, Arsenal at home, Norwich away, City at home, Brighton away. I mean, like that, you know, even if you said zero against all those other teams. And win the other, win the Brighton, Norwich, Burnley, Brentford game. That's four wins. That's twelve more points. And the I Brighton one's up. by no means a given, is it?
3: I fancy it's home against anyone. I think I think we're showing some really really good home form this season. Okay, barring a couple couple of results earlier on the season, obviously the Leeds one as well. But um, I think we've mm. we've been. Ready, I think we've won four in a row now at home. I think, even against City, I fancy to to put in the performance. Um,
4: we well, done them in the cup, didn't we? I know it was only the cup. penalties, but...
3: Yeah, uh, I mean, I'd definitely fancies fancy against Arsenal at home. Chelsea Bay might be a little bit difficult, although i just been battered by Brentford at Stratford Bridge, so that's mm. yeah, that's certainly doable. Um, yeah. So, I don't know, it's difficult to put a number on it. I went between tw- maybe, maybe 12 to 15. 15?
4: Um, That'll be very, very, very... If we get 15, I'll be stunned, but...
3: I mean, that, that's in the hope that we actually managed to beat Brighton on the last day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> very that's, it's very it's, unlikely. Uh, there's a lot of hope in that, but you never know. You never know. No it's hope rather than expectation, isn't it? it. Yeah.
4: yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that from 51 points. Do you know off the top of your head how many points we finished on last season? I think
3: it was we'll a record, out. wasn't it? I think it was
4: 65. 65. Well, 51 now um, with those seven games left. So, if we manage to get the 12 that I think... Uh, That will leave us on 63, Uh, 2021. Let's have a look here. Yeah, you're right. 65 points. Um, We won. Sorry, we lost 11 games. We've already lost 10 this season. Uh, So we're likely to lose a few more. We won uh, 19 games. Half, blimey, half of our games. That is phenomenal, isn't it? Mm. Um, Yeah, won half of our games last season, which was 19. on 15 so fast. We need four more. Four wins, one defeat uh, and two draws to match last season's tally. And that feels a little bit unlikely. Um, But we've had the Europa League to contend with this season. Last year was just the normal season of football for us. So, I think to do what we've done in that competition and and get a points tally, which will hopefully be within four or five of last year's, I think is an absolutely sterling effort.
3: Mate, it's been been superb I think, um, I think we broke a lot of club records last season didn't we with mm. uh, the uh, I think wins in a season points um, games
4: our fans actually enjoyed
3: yeah yeah that's definitely <laughs> a club record that one yeah yeah, yeah, um, yeah. but and I, I think you know from course to to break a few of those and weirdly I think we're on course to finish with a positive goal difference for like only a third ever time in Premier League history. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is, just, which is ridiculous. A, a stupid, really, isn't it? But, um, Don't to talk yeah. too soon, though, mate. Seven yeah, games true.
4: to destroy that 11 goal. Yeah, City, <laughs>
3: 11 City, uh... might, City might decide to thrash us 5-0 again. They've yeah, yeah, given yeah. us a couple of years off, haven't they? But they might just yeah. decide to turn up this time. And then um, it all goes to pot. Yeah, but no, it's it's been it's just goes to showing how good the last two years have been when you know we're, we're very close to replicating what we did last year.
4: Mm. I think what's brilliant about this season is that last year we went into the or over the new year in tenth, didn't we? Last season, yeah. and then Lingard came in, and that sort of was one of the catalysts to a superb second half of the season. But this year, it's just been pretty consistently decent from beginning
3: to end, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we've barely drops out of the top six. Mm. Um, I think only once or twice a few times which is which so amazing isn't it amazing yeah, stuff earlier sees the season we were top for a day or so yeah um, so yeah it's just been it's been really really fun
2: yeah
4: exactly
3: fun. mate exactly well look
4: that's uh, that's the uh reaction there we'll try and get uh, a couple of look aheads for you as well uh, to those Brentford and Leon games which we'll do in a little bit but first of all we'll do the Betway charity bets that is next Jonesy, then, no winners for the Everton game for the Betway charity bets. Uh, I think, though, we did actually come close, didn't we? Um, I went a little bit too overconfident on mine, to be honest. I had West Ham to score four or more, Bowen anytime, and less than 5.5 Everton corners. Um, Yeah, I think I just got a little bit carried away with the idea that West Ham were going to give Everton a proper walloping. Uh, The other two did actually come in. Everton had four corners. Bowen did score, of course. Um, But yeah, West Ham just two goals. Well, just two goals. Yeah, they needed double the amount of goals they got for my 14-1 to bet to come in there. Uh, What did you have for Everton, Jonesy?
3: Well, I had West to win to nil, uh, over six and a half corners and Antonio to the score any time. So, I don't think any of those come in. Yeah, the, the, six
4: and a half, the six and a half corners did, I think, mate. Yeah, we had...
3: Oh, no. Sorry. Incorrect.
4: No, we had two corners to Everton's four. So,
3: yeah, so I was miles I off. I mean, yeah,
4: so not a single one. I mean, the Antonio one was foolish enough in itself. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that was an eight to one shot, I believe, for that, mate. Yeah, that was eight to one for you. And what did we yep. go
3: for? Reese's with nine to one over two yeah. and a half goals. Uh, West Ham with a score in both halves, which we got. And Everton to have over five and a half corners. He was actually only two corners away from from winning that, so it was a close one. Two
4: Everton corners, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah unlucky. I think he texted. He put in the group. I've just noticed if two Everton corners come, no, we get two Everton corners. I'm in. Uh, And then they didn't have a single one after that. (laughs) Yeah, cheers. (laughs) Uh, So Brentford on Sunday, mate, big game, Brentford away. Um, I had a visit to the stadium earlier in the season for that pre-season game. We played, uh, that is a two o'clock kickoff on Sunday after that whopper of a game uh, at home to Leon on Thursday night. Uh, What have you gone for?
3: I've gone for both teams to score uh, by any time and Suchek to have one or more shots on target. Suchek one or more shots on target. Mm, very bold. Um, I've
4: gone for both teams to score, Jared Bowen to score anytime, time and more than 6.5 corners. So effectively the same bet as you. Um, yeah, only with the with the corners thing that I fancy might come in. Um, yeah, just Bowen's in good form, isn't he? Uh, hopefully sort of bit of uh, energy in his legs from Thursday as well <laughs> if he plays and Reese has gone James
3: Reese has gone Suchek any time both teams have scored and West Ham are over six and a half corners there we go so, big Thomas Suchek fans a pair of you any particular yeah. reason for that no I just I wanted to mix it up uh, and I want to boost my odds even though I haven't won a, <laughs> a battle season um, <laughs> it's 4th of April now mate we're like yeah, seven I'm getting, games left I'm quite, quite concerned actually but yeah, I still got to keep going for it. I got to keep going
4: for uh, it. I'm not sure. I think you just you need it go nice the and amount, easy. The amount of times less, I've got less than 10.5 nice goals, more yeah. than 0. 0.5 corners.
3: The, the, the amount of times I've gone really like looking at it, just going, I mean that's going to be evens. It's that easy. Yeah. And it still comes in at like seven to one or something like that, and it still doesn't come in. And it's just <laughs> like, well, I'm not even going to bother trying to go easy now. I'm just going to put what I think, and that's it.
4: Yeah, 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 yeah. Fair enough, Jonesy. Fair enough. Well, uh, let's just remind us always that Betway give us a £50 charity stake each to put on a bet of our choice. Uh, those are our three bets, three three legged bets for each and every one of West Ham's Premier League games. Those are our picks for the Brentford game. On Sunday, James is playing for the DT38, Dylan Tombides Foundation. I'm playing for the Bobby Moore Fund. and uh, Reese, excuse me, has been playing for Isla's fight um, all season. Uh, and, yeah, you can, of course, as usual, back those bets for real, if you so wish, on the Betway website and app. Just go to the game in question, which this week is West Ham away at Brentford. Go on to pre-built bets. Scroll down, you'll find the We Are West Ham podcast bets down there, which you can back for real. If you so wish, we've raised Jonesy so far this season, around £8,000, I believe. For and eight, eight and a half, yeah across the charities, which is phenomenal. Um, yeah, so uh, fingers crossed. We've got seven games left, mate. I reckon we, we raised 12.5 last year. Seven games left. I reckon we can get a couple in um, and beat last season's target. Fingers crossed. That was uh, the Betway charity. Stay with us because we'll be looking ahead to the Brentford game on Sunday. But first of all, that whopper of a Europa League tyre at home to Leon. Thursday night. Jonesy, how do you feel that you're not going to be in the country for the home tie of West Ham United's first European proper quarter final in around four decades?
3: Um, I feel. A little bit gutted, a little bit gutted. Mm. Particularly having been there for the severe game and just how mental that was. Yeah, um, I'm taking a little bit of comfort in that it's only the first leg. So although the atmosphere is still going to be pretty good, um, I'm going. Obviously, we're going to Leon, so I'll still be able to see the second leg in in the flesh. But um, yeah, I do feel I feel a little bit gutted. I'm not going to be there actually. Just because mm. I wanted to keep that run going in the knockouts, because Sevilla was just, I still think, it gives me goosebumps just thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. Was still, it was such a good night, and yeah. I want that again. Um, so I just have to do it in the semi-finals against Barcelona. Yes, yeah, exactly, mate.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love how everyone sort of uh, right, and
4: actually, we'll we'll talk about this while we're on. Uh, he texted me the other day saying, "Listen, mate, Barcelona flights are eighty quid or whatever." Do you uh, Have you actually booked them? You said you and your mates were thinking about booking them. Have you actually booked them yet?
3: <laughs> Do you I don't know, know that how that? I feel about it, mate. I, I don't know. I actually don't know. My mate said he was going to take care of it and book it all for us and then and then like, we'll just pay him nearer time Yeah. because um, they were so cheap. I, thought, well, I think it was about 60, 60 or 70 quid. Go out on a Wednesday, come back on a Saturday morning.
2: Mm.
3: Um, and that, our view is, well, rather book that now. And if we're there, great. And if we're not, then it's just three days to Barcelona for seventy quid. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. he's, yeah, still, he's definitely still, still going. Go yeah, we still go I definitely. But what, yeah, we'll... what
4: happens, right? What happens? What happens if we get through, but Barcelona get knocked out, and <laughs> we're playing on track Frankfurt
3: <laughs> on that day? And if we don't go, we go to Frankfurt instead. Right, um, right, okay, yeah. But yeah, the the the, the plan is well, well, we'll just we'll go out there anyway, because you know, same for, obviously with the Lyon flights as we know. The moment the moment the obviously the draws really happen, so we know what's going to happen. But at the moment, he gets to the point where one's going to be wanting to book up the Barcelona, those flights are going to go through the roof.
2: Mm.
3: And we were looking, um, and in a day there we went up a tenner. And we were like, Yeah, let's get this done now. And I actually don't know whether my mate's done it or not. I need to chase Oh, it. right. Oh, fine. Um, but we were talking about it. A few of a few the lads didn't want to do it. But then So, no con- no concern about jinxing the result then? No. By- no. No, no, no. We just obviously we'd love to be there, but we're just going to be there anyway. It Doesn't matter. It's, yeah, yeah, fine. We got, we got I, all I know is that I'm going to Barcelona for four days in May. Whether it's there <laughs> to watch West Ham or not, I don't know.
4: We'll see. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fair enough, mate. Fair enough. Um, so this Leon game Thursday, then Jonesy. Hard to call again. I think last time with the Seville stuff, I was so excited; it was fathomable. You could almost feel it coming through. Um, the podcast or people's headphones, so a lot of the feedback we had was was superb. I think being on holiday last week is one thing. Not being able to go to Everton game Sunday is another. And it, so it just hasn't really sunk in for me yet. We've got a Europa League quarter final home leg on Thursday. And I also think being at home for the first leg gives it a strange dynamic,
3: doesn't it? Yeah, and I don't really know what to what to expect. Because Leon are having a poor league season. We were having a good one, but then mm. we didn't really know what to expect against Sevilla, and they were never having a really good league season, a second in the Liga. Mm. And it's like, but then we, we beat them comfortably in the second leg and we, we, we beat them, we knocked them out. And it's like, well, does that mean that Leon's going to be easier than Sevilla? Obviously, there's no easy games in the Open League, but should we be expecting to beat Leon? Hmm. I don't know. I really don't know how to feel about it. I don't. I'm, I'm in the exact same boat as I was before. Sevilla. and I really don't know how good Leon are. No,
4: it's
3: difficult. Well, to they really beat go Porto,
4: didn't they, to get here? Yeah. And and no. I sort of I I, I would have sort of not feared Porto, but Porto in my head are a, a pretty big European club, yeah. and they beat him one 0 away in the first leg and drew one 0 at home in the second leg to go through. And I. Porto feels like a big scalp to me, but like you said, I mean, they're ninth in Liga at the moment. Um, They had a 3-2 win against Ongers or Angers or Angers, whichever way you want to pronounce it Um, at the weekend. uh, The Moussa Dembele scored two, former Celtics centre-forward. Tete got the 80th-minute winner uh, after a 50 and 59th-minute goal um, from... Angers, that was at home. Angers are struggling as well. So, sort of made hard work, hard work of that. Angers are 14th in the league. And I think you look at the teams above them in the French League, Nantes, uh, Lille, Monaco, Nice, Strasbourg, Rennes, and then Marseille and PSG. Bar in the top two, obviously, I would normally put Lyon, I would expect to see them further up that French league. Top, um, top six club in France. Yeah, easy, three. easy. Yeah. I mean, they're often in the Champions League, aren't they? Not they always mm. get particularly far, um, but they're often in that competition. Um, yeah, I'd, I, I'm wary of being lured into a full sense of security. I think the fact that Sevilla was such a European giant and had such great pedigree in that competition... G'd the players up a bit. I think the last thing we need is to be like, ah, well, we beat Seville. We should beat these easy. I think that's the last thing we should be
3: doing, don't you? Oh, yeah. You can't go into it and go, yeah, well, as you said, beat Sevilla. So, Leon, no problem. I don't think the players aren't going to do that. David Moyes won't allow the players to do that. They'll go in. They'll approach it professionally. Um, It's just one that you just can't call. I generally don't really know whether to be confident or not. We don't mm. know whether we should be worried. It's a really weird one. Really, like, Normally, you can kind of get a rough idea, but in the Europa League, because we're just not used to playing these sort of teams, are we? So, we mm. just don't really know. Yeah. It, also, we don't know what to expect from West Ham, either. Like, how yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's a strange one, but one thing we do know is that David Moyes will have been well-prepared in yeah. our all season, yeah. um, in, particularly in the Europa League, and um, they'll be well up for it.
4: Yeah, totally agree, man. I mean, the, some of the players, I'm just having a look at their lineup just from the weekend. Uh, Jerome Boateng, former Bayern Munich in Germany, iconic central defender. Oh, a little bit getting on in years now, which is why he's, he's not playing at that level anymore. Uh, but some serious experience there. Emerson Palmieri, the left-back um, from Chelsea, that Premier League fans will know. Again, no slouch. He got a bit of a grief at Chelsea, but a decent player. Um, gets in the Italy squad, you know, you know a, a solid, solid footballer there. Tonga and Dembélé that Tottenham ridiculously played, paid upwards of sixty-five million or whatever that was yeah, for. Uh, yeah, it didn't work out for him, but there's obviously a decent player in there. Mawar, uh, who's often being linked with with the Premier, little of a Premier League move, Arsenal in particular. Lucas Paqueta uh, and Musa Dembélé who. Again, you know, we've said it before and I still maintain, I think I could score goals for Celtic. Um, But, earned a big move and has done well for Leon. That's a clear step up from Celtic to Leon and and he sort of holds his own uh, on that stage. Two goals at the weekend, like I mentioned there. So, they've got a decent goal scorer. A man that I would be more than happy if uh, he was to be holding up a West Ham United shirt with his name on the back of it uh, in the summer. So, I I, I'm not scared. Sk- not, it's not that I'm not scared. I, I just hope that we turn up expecting a decent game of football because I don't think it's going to be that much easier than Seville, mm-hmm. which concerns me a little bit because I think the general attitude, certainly amongst the fans, even though this is the quarter final and obviously a bigger game, there seems to be almost just a, a mood among the fans of, well, as if it's like a foregone
3: conclusion, which makes me really, really nervous. No, uh, yeah, maybe. I think a lot of the i oh, looking forward to playing Barcelona chat is tongue-in-cheek. Which it just feels so premature. It's tongue-in-cheek. Um, it's wishful thinking as well. And just, I think it's just born out of excitement as well. I mean, the fact is that we're t- potentially two games away from... Playing Barcelona in the semi-finals of European competition—I mean,
2: mm.
3: that's ridiculous. Um, and I think that's just led a lot of the a lot of the chat. Like, you know, all we've got to do is beat Leon, and we're there. Uh, mm. and, and the way I see it, is that playing Barcelona in, in the semi-finals is almost like a final in itself. Like you're almost playing to get to a final. Yeah. Or to Barcelona in a semi-final, yeah, like, it's massive, isn't it? It's massive. So, yeah. I think it's just making
4: things. me so uncomfortable. All that chat, it's, it's, the it's, Barcelona
3: chat, is making me. It's tongue uh, in cheek. Everyone knows that Leon aren't going to be walkovers. Like it's going to be difficult. It's, it's the quarterfinal of the Europa League. It's not going to be like the group stages of the Europa mm. League, um, which was relatively straightforward for us. Mm. Um, it's not going to be like that. It's going to be very very difficult. Um, if we get through amazing if we don't i think we can all be very very proud of how far we've come oh, of course um i also just, hate I'm, the draw being done That's sorry go on what did you say i'm just i'm just looking forward to it all right just as we said the one after after the severe game it's so addictive yeah yeah want, i just want done. it all the time i want to i want, I want to plan europe europe all the time love yeah, it Yeah, yeah really, yeah really really love it
4: I don't like that's just what I was gonna say. I don't like the draw for the next round being done before. Yeah. I think yeah. that spoils it. I really don't like that. I think they should just play. Rather the game. Not know that it could be Even if night. it's the next morning. Yeah, that yeah, exactly. I think it just warps it really. It's the excitement of cup competitions is that you play and then you find out who you've got after that. It just feels a bit like dunno, like the World Cup or whatever where it's all mapped out who you may or may not play. And, mm. you know, I don't know. I like the sense of a draw. But anyway, it's a, it's going to be an absolute huge game on Thursday night at London Stadium. Before that, mouthwatering away clash the week after that. Very sorry we couldn't get an opposition view this week. Uh, as I explained, it's just been a bit of a, a crazy one with Jonesy and I both out of the country. Uh, at overlapping times over the space of a couple of weeks. So it's been a bit of a struggle trying to sort something out. Um, but we hope to have something in place. And me and Jonesy will be doing a special podcast live from Leon when we're out there next week. That'll be on Thursday. So that's something to look forward to. Um, yeah, that's the Leon game on Thursday. Stay with us because we'll have a look ahead to the Brentford game, hopefully with a sports journalist, Giacomo a Big bees fan, next. I'm delighted to say joining us for the first time ever on the We Are West Ham podcast is Sun Sport journalist Giacomo Pisa, huge Brentford fan as well. Giacomo, great to have you join us for the first time. What a time it is to speak to you as well after. Is it fair to say the biggest win in Brentford's history, 4-1 away from home at Chelsea, bitter rivals Chelsea. I mean, I don't know the last time someone won their 4-1. West Brom put five past them about West a year Brom ago 5-2. today. Yeah, yeah, so, uh, yeah, how are you feeling off the back of that?
0: I mean, it would have been nice to get five. No, I'm joking, 4-1 four, one, four, one was unbelievable. I think I think you're right, one of the biggest results in our history. I mean, we've had 4-1s at Fulham and QPR who we class as bigger rivals in, in recent times. But, I mean, the Chelsea one, it's it's going to be hard to top that. In, in the backyard of the European champions, it was it was just unbelievable. and And we were well worth the win as well. We deserved... We deserved everything we got. We could have been 3-0 up inside. I mean, maybe that's been a bit... But Tony, three chances in the first 15 minutes and they mm. didn't know how to cope with us. We were just we just looked on it from minute one. Um, pressing, energetic. I mean, Ericsson's, Christian Ericsson has completely changed the way we look as a team. It's, it, it's been unbelievable since he's come in.
4: Yeah, well, we'll get, we'll get on to Ericsson in a minute. But what was it then with the Chelsea thing? Were you at the game?
0: Yeah, I was there. I was in. Uh, I was in Amazing. the away end. It was. It was probably one of the best games I've been to. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I've been uh, Yeah, it was. It was. It was superb. I think. Well, Chelsea. Chelsea tweaked the system. I think they played four at the back, which might have exposed Rudiger and Silva a bit because, I mean, both of them have been superb all season. They've been. They've been proper rocks at the back, but. They just didn't. They just didn't. They looked so leggy up against Tony and Bremer I mean, the two of them matched up to the two centre backs, and Tony was winning the flick-ons, and Bremer was running off him. And yeah, they just they just sort of didn't really know how to cope. And and, and it was strange because they've looked so. I don't know. They've they've looked so solid all season. It it was it was bizarre really to see them being given the runaround. But th- that's mm. that's what happened. It was just I think they were shocked by the 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 energy that we bought. I mean, I think Chelsea played 12 more games than us or something this season. So, I mean, and obviously they've got bigger fish to fry with Real Madrid, but um, I mean, yeah, you can't take anything away from us. I thought we were, we were well worthy of the win.
4: Yeah, absolutely mate. Absolutely. And and as well, that, that win puts you 14th, 33 points after 31 games. I suggest that's pretty safe with eight games to go, 11 points clear, of Watford in 18th, Newcastle, Leeds and Everton are your cushion um, between yourselves and the relegation zone. Uh, I think earlier in the season, perhaps a few more people had condemned you to the drop, but it seems now that a, a relatively crystal palace of old-esque 14th place is coming up.
0: I mean, yeah, 14th, I would have bitten your hand off for that at the start of the season. And and you're right, there was a time in January, February where we, we didn't win in eight, I think it was. And, and we were starting to get a bit nervy, and then we had games against Norwich and Burnley, which which were the definers, and we won both of those. And now, after winning again, we're, I'm now starting to look up the table again instead of down because mm. yeah, there was a few weeks where it was a bit a bit nervy. Um, but yeah, I mean now, I still, I mean that we we could we could capitulate. Obviously, I think we are pretty much pretty much there. Um, couple of draws maybe one I mean one more win would pretty much guarantee it um but yeah like I say I'm I'm now starting to look up and I think mm. we're only I mean team teams above us do have games in hand but we're only four points off ninth or something like that which I mean that that's yeah that's correct. exactly right
4: yeah, like you say, yeah, you've you've played the 31, then Brighton, Southampton, Villa, Leicester and Palace are the teams above you into ninth. All of them have played 30, apart from Leicester, who played 28. So, I mean, even at the, this stage of the season, those games in hand become slightly more important, don't they? But having the points on the board must be a good feeling, of course. You mentioned him already, Christian Eriksen. Uh, he's come in and it's just a, an amazing story, really, more so than... Than any impact he's had on your team, I guess. But uh, what were your sort of thoughts on that at the beginning when he came? Uh, were you a bit nervous about it at all? Or did you think it was always going to going to play off or be like a good decision and good move?
0: Well, I was I was I was buzzing when it when it was announced because um, I I couldn't believe our club had signed such a a massive name, probably the biggest mm. signing in our history. Um, I was delighted for it, but at the same time, I thought there were positions we needed to prioritize in January. I mean, right back has been an issue, um, and it looks like we're gonna we're gonna get to the end of the season without really play, having a number one recognized right back. But then Ericsson came in, and as I said, I was I was so happy about that, but with a bit of apprehension because I didn't think it was what we really needed, and mm. it turns out it's exactly what we needed. He started three games, and we won all three. He's sort of released Tony and Mbwemo as well. That being Having a player who can pick that killer ball is so... It's, it's completely changed the team around because we were struggling for chances and now he can make a chance out of nothing. So we were drawing 0-0 at home to Burnley a couple of weeks ago. Massive game at the bottom of the table. 85 minutes. He gets the ball on his left foot, just whips in the ball straight on Tony's head and it's 1-0. He can just change mm. the game as quickly as that and then yeah, score him scoring at Stamford Bridge was just was just was just so good in front of the away fans. Yeah, it was unbelievable.
4: Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant, mate. Great story. Uh, I, I hate to ask questions like this because I get asked them all the time about Declan Rice. Um, but is he going to be off at the end of the season?
0: Then do you think? Um, well, that that that's the big question, really. Thomas Frank said he's going to park talks until until the end of the season. Um, he looks very happy, but I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if. Spurs came along and tried to try to re-sign him and then I was going to say to you what about a West Ham or because he's he's settled in London uh, I believe Mm. but I mean obviously a West Ham or it might be that that step up bigger crowd playing in Europe is that sort of something that West Ham might even be looking at do you reckon? I
4: I don't know I'd be surprised if we could or would depending what happens with Declan Rice of course but uh, which just like exactly what you said. We've got a million and one players in those positions. Um, although that will be another season on for Manuel Lanzini, who's been great this year, to be fair to him. Um, another season on for him. For now, it's ben Rama. ben Rama looking okay. Um, sort of a little bit inconsistent for my liking, uh, just but in the last few games, sort of coming up trumps with a couple of bits and pieces again. Um I don't know really it's it's the sort of thing West Ham would try and do but I a feeling he'd be too expensive for us come uh that side or that that sort of when that comes round if that comes round in the summer but um yeah and the I think the Tottenham links always um, there's a, we're always a little bit careful with signing former Tottenham players as well, especially ones who have actually been good for them, because historically they then come to us and just take a load of money out of the club and don't do anything for six months. But we'll, we'll certainly see on that one. Um, West Ham v Brentford at the Brentford Stadium on Sunday afternoon, 2 o'clock. The return leg earlier in the season was one of the worst, most frustrating games of the season from from my perspective that annoying last minute goal i felt we were probably just about okay for a draw in that game certainly didn't deserve to win not a good performance at all um yeah and then you you nicked it right at the death which was sort of made an already frustrating afternoon even more annoying um what are you feeling going into the game this time around I've sort of you had that sort of new premier league club bounce at that time uh Probably fair to say that's died off a bit, but then obviously coming off back of a great winner at Chelsea. Yeah, well, how do you feel?
0: I mean, it would it would be so typical of us for to to win four one at Stanford Bridge and then just be humbled at home. But uh no, I, I don't feel that. I think I think it will be a, a, a close game. I mean, hopefully a bit more entertaining than the one <laughs> the one at the London Stadium, because that was quite a dull one. Um, I mean, obviously mm. it was great for me with the last minute winner. Um yeah, no, I think, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a draw. Um, like you say, the, the the game earlier in the season was probably, I mean, you dominated for parts of the game, but I mean, on a reflection, probably a draw was probably the right result. And then, yeah, we just nicked it, set piece at the end. Um, but then, I mean, we've just looked completely rejuvenated in the last few weeks. So, I mean, it, there's, there's so many different Brentfords that can turn up. Sometimes we look so on the ball and then other times we just look so off it so I mean it yeah. depends what Brentford turn up and I feel like it might be the same for you because there's there's been a few odd results mixed in there I know you obviously you've got one eye on Europe um, so yeah it'll be it'll be it'll be interesting the game um, Ben Rama back at Brentford uh, I've I, I loved him when he was at Brentford probably the most gifted player i'm i don't know what ericsson will go on to do but the most gifted player i've seen in a brentford shirt just some of the things he did were outrageous and mm. in the championship watching him rainbow flick it off players over players heads every every week
4: and yeah
0: yeah. I'm, I'm not sure if he's captured that form to the full yet at west Ham, but i mean it's definitely in there and um
4: I and mean, we yeah. have seen it in in games we have actually we've definitely seen it in flashes and in spells short spells of three or four games perhaps um, and at the beginning of this season, I was one of the few West Ham supporters saying, don't bother about Lingard, like, we don't need him back, like, just leave him. He, he obviously doesn't want to come back that much, so leave him up there. Ben Benram has had a bit of time for bedding in, give him his chance. And at the beginning of the season, I was proved right for a, a sort of run of six to eight games approximately. Um, but then he's just flaked off and was just average for a very, very large chunk of the season. Um, he's the most subbed player in the Premier League Moyes always takes him off uh, when he starts and he had a bit of a ruckus with him about that on the touchline a couple of weeks ago but ultimately I'm sitting there going we'll do more then score and assist that's what you're there for Um, you know or contribute even I hate the word pre-assist but you know it's not like he was continually involved in moves and setting stuff up or whatever Um, he has come on again a bit again in the last sort of few weeks for the first time, really this season. Um, So yeah, it's a bit of a frustrating one there. I think I was generally thought it was a fairly good signing. Um, And I think he was obviously going to be a slow burner after his first season showing. Uh, And yeah, I was hoping for a bit more from him this season. Uh, I think next season or whatever he does over the summer, But next season will be the real definer for his West Ham and Premier League career, I think. It's one of those right on a knife edge where he either stamps his authority. Because the fact that he's let Manuel Lanzini get back in the team, who has been brilliant this year, but hasn't played amazing football for West Ham for two or three seasons, um, the fact he's let him get back in, sort of tells you that he, that shouldn't have happened really. He should have been good enough to keep Lanzini at the team. But yeah, I think next season if he um it'll be one of those where he either stamps his authority on the team and says, right, I'm West Ham's number ten for the next three seasons as we hopefully push on for these bigger and better things that we're we're striving for at the moment. Or it'd be all oh, right, yeah, well, you're gonna go and play for like uh, uh, I always used to use Crystal Palace. I've already used them already. But it's just that bog standard, like mid-range, yeah, or lower half table team.
0: Yeah, or he might go to Europe or something like that if it can go, go yeah. the way. Yeah. Um, yeah, potentially. Yeah, he scored against us in pre-season. So was, yes,
4: I was at that game.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Enjoyed that. Um, but also on the game, I think it we, we seem to do better against the top i mean we, we haven't got loads of great results against the top six but we often look quite good against the top six because we're nice we're compact without the ball it's mm. when we have more of the ball that sometimes we struggle to break teams down because we're, we're very good on the break with, with and tony erickson we're Nick, literally what on. we're like yeah yeah, yeah yeah so it's going to be a sort of clash of styles so I, I don't know who's going to come out who's going to have more of the ball that's it's an interesting one, though. I mean, we could just play out <laughs> boring nil-nil.
2: Yeah,
4: yeah. It could be the same again, <laughs> couldn't it, really? Yeah, yeah. What um, what are you expecting? Because like you mentioned, we got the Europa League. a uh, Huge game for us Thursday night against Leon at home. Um, I, I don't really buy into the European hangover stuff. We played Sevilla away, came back home and beat Aston Villa at home. Earlier in the season, in the group stage games, we had some half-decent performances and results after European home and away game. So, I don't always buy into that as much anyway. I think you're sort of either up for it or you're not. Um, but what are you expecting, like, sort of uh, team-wise, team news-wise from, from Brentford? Any injuries or suspensions or players we should be worrying about other than Ericsson?
0: Um so- Well, Josh silver was sent off against Newcastle uh, a few weeks ago and then he served his three-game suspension and then was injured for Chelsea. So, we're not sure what the latest is on him. Um but he's a player that can change game as well. Um so we're not sure on him but other than that it's likely to be the same team that played Chelsea. Um sort of Thomas Frank's switched it up in the last couple of weeks was doing a 352 and a a four sort of four at the back. Um but I mean why change what what we did against Chelsea is what I would say which would be three at the back. Jansen, I, uh, Pinnock who have been Pinnock in particular has been an absolute rock for us this season. He's been superb. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, Tony and Mbwemo up front with, uh, yeah, with Ericsson and, and Coe in midfield. And, and Mbwemo, funnily enough, hasn't actually scored from open play since the game at your place back in October. He scored oh one since then. Um, Get your house on it then. Yeah. And I mean, he looked good against Chelsea. He got a couple of assists. I mean, it's coming. He, he struggled a bit this season with, with finishing wise, but it's definitely coming and he's a player to look out for.
4: Oh, dear. Not good at all, mate. Not good. So, Giacomo, look, it's been brilliant having you on uh, the podcast for the first time. Just a quick one in London Stadium, 2pm on Sunday afternoon. What's your prediction with West Ham v Brentford?
0: Uh, I'm going to go for a very, very thrilling one-all.
4: Yeah, I mean, I've got a feeling, now we talked about it. I've got a feeling we could have a repeat <laughs> performance of that attritional game we saw earlier in the season. But listen, Giacomo, thanks so much for coming on the show. Giacomo Pisa, there, Sun Sport journalist and huge Brentford fan, looking ahead to, to that game at London Stadium on Sunday. Stay with us because you'll have some final thoughts from me and Jonesy next. Well, Josie, that's it. Uh, you're out in Dubai. It's Almost time for you to go back begrudgingly, lay on the beach um, with your family. I appreciate you love your family, but the uh, yeah, the beach side of it, just not a big fan. Does Harrison like it? Is he enjoying himself, or
3: is it yeah. all? We've got a pool. Yeah, we've got three pools. I think I've just got three pools, but um, he loves the pool. First time he's ever been to a swimming pool. First time he's right. been abroad, so right. um, he's happy just cracking on doing. It. When I left him at the beach, he was flicking um, sand in his cousin's face. Yeah, yeah. And absolutely Classic, every like, four-year-old, pat- yeah. three-year-old patter or whatever, yeah. Yeah, so he's doing that, laughing away. Kids are screaming. Yeah. Um, so he's enjoying it. Um, he just crack. he just does whatever. He's- just get some of it, I think. But mm. I'm hoping by the time we've done this and I head back downstairs that they'll be back by the pool. Mm. Uh, and I can, I can just chill there for... A little bit before we get ready to go out tonight. Yeah.
4: What is the time in Dubai at the moment? Jones, it's two of, thirty in the afternoon here. It's currently five thirty in the afternoon here. Oh, there we go. Right, right. Um well look, Jones, uh, I don't want to hold you back from your family and the sun anymore. Um some final thoughts, please. A huge week coming up this week, bit of a disjointed couple of weeks for the podcast, but um glad we can get something out today. Um, yeah, I mean, just, just some final thoughts from you on a good win against Everton. Really good win. Keeps us in that conversation in the mix at the, the top end of the table. Uh, and a whopper of a game at home Thursday night, London Stadium.
3: Yeah, it was a good win. Um, nice just to be back off the international break. Just boring international breaks, are not they? And nice to kick it off with another three points. Bounce back from the Spurs defeat, which I think most people have forgotten about anyway. Yeah. Um, it's important to get that three points, I think, as a result of that. But yeah, full attentions now a Thursday night, and it, um, and we've got a small matter of Brentford in between the first and second legs, like, rather not bother with Brentford and just focus fully on the quarter final. But yeah, yeah, it's a huge seven days at West Ham, um, and I'm really looking forward to it. It's so exciting, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's so much fun, um, and I'm hoping to catch at least one of the next two games. at the 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 West Ham Sports Club in Dubai. I'm going to visit those guys. Hopefully, oh, brilliant, watch mate. Watch it there. I'm hoping, annoyingly, the the, the first day kicks off at 11pm here. So it's, it'll be a very, very late one if I do that. But I might sit I and head over there and watch the Brentford game on Sunday and uh, meet some of the guys there. Yeah. Um. So that would be fun. Uh, and then come back and then we fly off to, to Lyon for the second leg, yeah. mate. I'm very much looking forward to that.
4: Yeah, little 24-hour jaunt. I am feeling more and more grim about the fact that we're flying at 7am thursday morning and flying back 7am on friday oh, not actually.
3: a uh, not a prospect i'm looking forward to i must admit i'm an early bird so i'll be up early mate i'll, I'll make sure you get up and get to get on the flight all right
2: yeah
3: <laughs> all right mate. yeah i appreciate it well look jonesy um
4: great to catch up again Mate, uh, great to get a podcast out. We'll be back. Uh, Normal service will resume as of next week. I hope this was all right. For this week, uh, we may bolt an interview on the end. So, uh, (laughs) again, I haven't quite decided that yet, but you may get an interview on the end of this week's show. Uh, We might be included in next week's one when we're out in Leon. But, uh, yeah, bear with us for a couple of weeks. It's going to sound slightly different. Um, but, yeah, once the Leon game's out of the way, me and Jones will be out there for that, obviously, so we'll get you some content from there, Um, but then once we get back, it'll be normal service resumes. Decent week for West Ham. Wonderful way to bounce back from the international break with three points at home to floundering Everton. What a shame it would be if they went down, Uh, and an enormous Games to look forward to on Thursday night. Leon at home in the first leg. Josie, what are you hoping for, just quickly, before we sign off? I, 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 obviously, it's easy to say for a win, but I, I, I would like the idea, if we won 2-0, I'd be ecstatic.
3: Um, yeah. Because it's yeah. just
4: such a strange dynamic, isn't it?
3: It's, it's different to Sevilla where we're away first. It's like, just go there and stay in the tyre and then bring it yeah. back home for the second yeah. leg. Where this way, it's like, well, if you if you have that mentality and then have to then rely on winning in Lyon, yeah. it's a much harder task. <laughs> um, we need to win, ideally, I and mean, it's, not, it's not paramount, but, but we need to win and win comfortably, I think, for the second leg just to be a little bit nicer. Yeah, before, I think, but yeah, a yeah. one-one or two-nil win, happy days. Uh, if you can, get, yeah. if you can take like a two-goal cushion, regardless of the scoreline, because away goals don't count. Then yeah, yeah, I think we'll be happy. Yeah, yeah, I can't see it being that much of an open
4: game, no, can it? They'll be no. just wanting to stay in it, but um, yeah, I'd certainly, yeah, what I'd give for a two-nil victory. But look, it's it's a huge game on Thursday. Such an exciting time uh, to be a West Ham fan. I can't wait. To get down to the game at the London Stadium Thursday night, Brentford on Sunday and then away to Lyon next week. Absolutely fizzing. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Don't forget to follow us on all the social channels. at twitter at we are underscore west ham instagram we are west ham pod same on youtube you can email us at we are west ham pod at gmail.com if you so wish and you can buy us a pint at buymeacoffee.com slash we are west ham all the money will go directly to me and jonesy and it just goes on beer and podcast equipment and all that sort of stuff as we mentioned before if you want to do that thanks for listening Exciting times to be a West Ham fan. Sixth in the Premier League. Europa League quarterfinal coming up and a winnable one at that. Thanks for listening, everyone. West Ham are massive. Up the hammers. And we'll see you next week. i'm delighted to say that joining us this week on the we are west ham podcast a former guest and friend of the show it's tony Carr, west ham's legendary former academy director 43 years of unblemished service to our club that we so dearly love tony uh, still loves the hammers just as much as we all do and was was privileged and uh, to work work with some great managers and great players and and legends of of West Ham past and present. Tony of course is one of those. Tony, it's great to have you back on the show again. Wonderful to see you. Uh, know you've been busy with you with your book that's out, uh, which yeah, we'll have a chat yeah. about in a bit. But first of all, what a time to be a West Ham supporter, eh?
1: No, terrific. You know, there's a good vibe about the place and. Um... I was at the Everton game yesterday, and uh, although it didn't quite hit the heights of the uh, the Sevilla game, the Seville game, but um, three points, nevertheless, and keeps that march and that dream of getting in that top six. Yeah. So, uh, onwards and upwards for the Hammers at the moment with we europe sa-
4: We We were saying that earlier on on the show, me and uh, James and I. How, you know, we 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 had that um, European game at, at Sevilla uh, earlier on in the season. Then we came back and got that win against Aston Villa in the league. There was sort of a lot of commentators and pundits suggest, don't they, that oh, as soon as you get in the Europa League, that's like the end of any league ambitions. But David Moyes and the team really bucking that trend this season We're give or take a point or two on track to get the same total we did last season. Plus, we've got the additional burden of the Europa League, which we're doing so well in. Yeah. You know, is, it, is that taking you by surprise? Or it just shows what a phenomenal achievement it is.
1: Yeah, I think it has taken me a little bit by surprise, I must admit, um, because I didn't think our squad was great, had great depth at mm. the start of the season. And I thought, you know, really, you know, the Premier League is your bread and butter, uh, but it's great to have a run in these competitions, you know, any comp- cup competition the Europa Cup is a is a new one for us uh, basically and uh, it has surprised me but um, the key was I think the early part of the season, you know, they must have had a very good pre-season, the fitness levels must have been really high and good and obviously the team has a great togetherness and you know, the, we, our run in the sort of group stages was unblemished by about, just by one result
2: yeah, you know, which was a dead rubber,
1: wasn't it? Um, a good game, but we'd already qualified, so exactly. You know, we can't really count that. Mm. So I think that set us up because uh, we kept our league form um, quite constant and consistent. Mm. So it's the only thing that's that's concerning to us now is, you know, if if players drop out through injury, and you know we've seen that with Gerald Bowen, and he'd missed the two or three games, and team done okay but we definitely missed him and then Antonio was missing for a couple of games and we definitely needed to miss the presence up front which we didn't have yeah Um, but Yarmolenko's coming you know after the tragedy that's, that's you know ensuing in the Ukraine he's come in and scored some vital vital goals and the crowd and everybody else has been behind him 100% and I think that's give him a lift it's give him something else to think about and it's mm. given them a big lift. So, yeah, praise must go to the management, the staff, and you know, and certainly the players. They've done marvellous.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, that Yarmolenko stuff. What a story that was. Eh? I mean, you know, the the emotion yeah, yeah, that you could you see can't in write him. Those, those things, yeah. No, nah, no, nah, that's right. Yeah, just
1: a yeah, wonderful the, tale. Yeah, you know, we, we you know the Seville game. He scores the winning goal. It's just, the mm. script was written. It's like a like a Hollywood script, really. But uh, yeah. no, certainly. Um, there's lots of positives to come out of the Hammers camp at the moment and that um, makes a pleasant change from previous seasons.
4: Well, wow, no, that's it. Very
1: very good. Nothing but praise.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's right. It's yeah. just these all-round exciting times at the moment and yeah, having a European quarter final. Uh, certainly for people of my generation who were born in the early 90s it's the glory years if you like where were well and truly sort of Yeah, you prior to my arrival on the planet. Yeah, you've you've only read about them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, just hear all the tales from my dad, and obviously chats with the former players and people like you. We're lucky to do. Just uh, yeah. it's all hearsay. So to be leaving, sort of living through it for the first time as a, a lifelong West Ham fan of my age is is indescribable feelings, really, and and just exciting times all round. Tony, you've uh, you mentioned it already briefly at the beginning. Um, I was you've you've got a new book out at the moment, Tony Carr, a life time in football at West Ham United. Uh, certainly listeners to this podcast will, will obviously know about you and your great work. 43 years of unblemished service, as I've already mentioned. Um, a, you know, a career that the most of us could only dream of working at, at your boyhood club, bringing through some of not just yeah. West Ham, but England's finest a generation of players for for a very long time: Joe Colrio, Ferdinand, Frank Lampard, Jermaine Defoe, Glenn Johnson, Mark Noble, and even Declan Rice. Towards the end, was uh, joined the club when yeah in your last couple of years yeah, would, there, but I would,
1: yeah, I wouldn't say I, you know I, I, I take great credit for that, but you know I was the academy manager when we signed him, and yeah. you know he was just on the fring, fringes of the first team or being recognised by the senior staff when I actually left, so. Yeah, you know, we, we you know, I could claim to be putting him on the conveyor belt, but uh, his development, you know, obviously his bigger development has happened since I left. But certainly we spotted the talent and signed mm. the talent and ha- helped put him where he is now. But uh, yeah. most of the credit must go to Declan himself, really.
4: Yeah. yeah, of course. I know you're keen to be humble about Declan, but the rest of those players, I mentioned Michael Carrick and, and not just those, the ones that made it big, a ream of of players who perhaps didn't go on to the heights that those players did, but still went on and had sterling professional careers up and down the leagues, all thanks to yeah. uh, to you and your staff and the time you spent at the club. Um, well, we've sort of spoken over the, uh, the past few years at different stages, me and you on the podcast or for... For other sort of uh, organisations or whatever. Um, what 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 was it that made you made you do the book? What would you obviously had a long decorated career yeah, and, and you're still I, keeping I think, busy. Yeah. What made you do it?
1: To be honest, it wasn't something that you know I'd had in the back of my mind. that I'd always write a a biog, but um, when I was working and and I was um you know people would say to me, oh you must be look back and be proud of this and you must be proud of that and i would go yeah but you know we, you move on and, you know it's moving on to the next one and where's the next group of players? where's the next player that's I can you know I could push on them and uh, expose to first team uh, the first team manager and hopefully he likes what he sees so I was I was never one and I honestly say that I was never one to look back and go oh look what I've done it was always okay that's done that's great let's you know the challenge is still there because at youth level, the job is well at all levels of football, the job is never done Mm. because you might find a player or two and they move on and do well. And then, you know, the constant question is, where's the next one? Where's the next one? So, you know, the the job is never done and, and the conveyor belt keeps moving and you want to try and load that conveyor belt with quality players. And sometimes there's gaps, you know, there's, Sometimes there's lean, lean spells where you don't produce a player for two or three, four years maybe that uh, you know they weren't quite in the system or that you know they, we we didn't recruit particularly well or it was a it was a quite a barren year generally because we do look across the board as well that uh, you know if we're having you know we can't recognise players that that are really going to go on you think is this a general thing or is it just us is mm. it us is it was our recruitment poor two or three years ago, or, you know, if we took the foot, if we took our foot off the pedal, what, what, what let's have a look round. Where, where are the best 16 and 17 year olds? Where are they? So someone said, well, there was a player at Manchester City. So we'll, we'll forget that one because, you know, we're not we're not in that market getting players from Manchester, mm. you know, not anymore anyway. Um So, you know, if there was a, if there was a player that had come out of Dagenham or Romford or, you know, East London and, he was playing for I don't know, say Tottenham or Chelsea or Arsenal, and you think, well, really, we should have known about them players. Why didn't we know about those mm. players? He's come from he's come from around the corner. So we, we I would then question the recruitment department and go, how comes we missed him? And they mm. go, I didn't know or I didn't know he, he he was there or tot Arsenal picked him up and you know I, I looked at him I didn't fancy him. I thought, well Arsenal did and so on so you'd have debates like that so you'd always look at reasons why there was two or three years where they weren't a player and um and that was the that was one way of just keeping everybody on their toes that the you know a scout brings a top player in his job ain't done that's that's fantastic pat on the back well done
2: that's yeah 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 for in you
1: know in a cruel you know in a in a
2: in yeah in a
1: cruel way but in a that's, that's, that's business job, way you know? yeah yeah so laying up yeah in a business way yeah so but you know, where's the next one? Go and find the next one. Hmm. And now and we look back on your legacy when you're finished.
2: And uh, how I've yeah. always
1: looked at it. I'll look, I'll look, back at my legacy when i have finished.
2: Hmm.
1: When, when, I'm done. You know and the guy at a club, I've said this before. Either the club don't want me on him anymore, or I can't do it anymore because of ill health or something. Um, I'll, um, I'll look back then, and that's what I did basically. I, I finished, and I just started to recall things and, and, um, and to look back. And, you know you remember things that you'd forgotten years ago or someone reminded you of something you'd forgotten years ago and um someone said to me you ought to write a book you know all the stories you can tell you should write a book i went, no oh, i don't know if i'll write a book anyway i did sit down with with the, you know, with the laptop one day and started you know put up a word document plain bit of paper mm. and started typing away you know and, and all of a sudden little ideas come and then you leave it alone for a couple of months because you've run out of ideas and Someone else reminds you of something else, so you join. The, you write that down, and
2: yeah, yeah. all of a
1: sudden you start to get a, you start to get a pattern, or you start to get a plan, and that's what I did. And what? And now you've got a three
4: hundred and six page it's, to publication yeah, out for it's the all world my, to read. And it's,
1: all, it, and it's all my own work. You know, every word's my own. Mm. You know, I didn't. I didn't have a ghostwriter or anything like that. Or mm. the only words that aren't mine are all the um, the players when I've interviewed them you know, their words are recorded, you know, with the answers to my questions.
2: Yeah, yeah, you know, I, of course. I've
1: revised all the questions and they give, they give me the answers.
2: Yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah.
1: And some of them are quite candid that, that probably wouldn't say to maybe a reporter or, you know, a newspaper article. So, you know, I've got one or two little insights, I think, and that mm. um, some of it's run of the mill, cause you can only talk about so much. But, uh, no, I'm, I'm quite pleased with the way it's turned out, to be quite honest.
4: Excellent. Well, I'm, I mean, you're lucky enough, uh, I was fortunate to get an advanced copy and uh, I'm about just about a third, between a third and a half of the way through at the moment. I've uh, read through all your all your years coming up in, in Bow, the proper East London boy and uh, yeah. And your family trips out to Burnham-on-Crouch, which is only a stone's throw from where I grew up and
2: yeah. <laughs> all things like that
4: in, in your early days, uh, which, which is brilliant. But I just want just to yeah. read a couple out. Um, you mentioned you interviewed Frank and, and Rio and Mark Noble for, for the book. Um, Frank Lampard said, a man who had such a huge impact on my career and so many other young players at West Ham. I highly recommend this fantastic read. Rio Ferdinand, this man passed on the West Ham DNA to the best generation of academy graduates to come through the West Ham system. Mark Noble, West Ham United man, a must-read for every West Ham United fan. I mean, names like that. Frank, obviously, there at the weekend as his Everton team lost to West Ham. Yeah. um, And, you know, there'll be fan opinion on him. But what he achieved in the game is is almost unrivaled. Chelsea's all-time top scorer from a midfield position is just phenomenal stuff. Rio's record speaks for itself and Mark will forever yeah. be a West Ham United legend oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: the, the,
4: the interview I've sort of got past already you had a, quite an interesting chat with, with Rio Ferdinand um, can you sort of tell us a bit more about that and, and, and what, what fans could expect if, if they pick up the book little bits and pieces yeah I
1: went and visited him at the BT studios which are just up the road to the stadium in Stratford hmm. and um, he was working uh, on a Champions League night, and I went. I went there one afternoon to to meet him, and uh, we just sat down. and, like, and Really, I, I wanted to get a bit more of an insight into um, how he developed as a as a, a footballer at grassroots level. Now, bearing in mind, you know, like I did, you know, he was born in a, on a council estate in Peckham, and I was born on a council estate in Bow, and I learned my trade really not as well as Rio, obviously, but just by a kick around in a playground, really, um, and it was interesting that you know his his mum used to say, "Go on out, you go, go out and play." And um, that, that every day they used to knock at the door of a local boy. You uh, called him a Turkish boy, a, a Turk. He said, and uh, I can't remember the exact name he called him, but you know, uh, and it, it, the reason they knocked for him is because he was the only one on the estate had a football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and and that and that's where they started playing. He started playing in his nick. I said, when did you first realise that you were you were not bad at, at football? He said, when I joined in with the older boys. He said, I I was as good as them. And He said, and I was like two or three years younger. He said, and I was as good as them, and that made me realise, oh, oh, I'm not bad at this, because you know you don't suddenly um, someone says, oh, you're a great player. It's, it's, it's a it's a journey of discovery. Yeah, you know, yeah, The levels sure. you play, your teams you play with, or the guys you play with, and. Um, he then obviously learned that uh, he wasn't bad at it, and then mm. as you and he didn't play for a team until he was about eleven, I don't think he said. And um, his first team was a, a team, local team, uh, in South London, and he went and played for this guy, and he did okay. He was, he, you know, he, he was one of the better players, he thought. And um, once you get exposed to youth football at that age, you, there's, there's scouts around, there's people, or there's people that know scouts. Mm. and they, they must have said hey this kid playing for uh, this team in South London he's not bad him come and have a look mm-hmm. at him and, and, that, and that's you know then you start the journey you, know, you get yeah, invited yeah. to a club uh, and, and then you start the journey and then it's about developing year on year on and uh, ending up um, signing for a professional football club and eventually playing in their first team so
2: yeah, yeah.
1: it was just exploring that journey really and Going into a little bit more depth than normal, and then obviously, you, you we moved on to you know their highs and lows in the game, mm. and um, you know, that tends to be at the top level when it's either England or Man United in maybe Champions League finals and, or semi finals. And um, yeah, I, I, th- I found it interesting. Michael Carrick said, you know, in one of his um, one of the questions I asked him, you know, what's the best game you've ever played in, and uh. He said, well, I played in a European game for Manchester United. We, I think it was in Sweden or somewhere, Malmo or somewhere like that. And he said, on that night, he said, it, one of those things, everything I did just came off. He said, I could see a pass and it just found it, whether it was a short pass or a long pass, every pass the opposition played, I could read it. I saw it, you know, and I was there intercepting and I was there nicking it and, and, and I was what, making things happen. And, I didn't think that, you know, I put a foot wrong. I felt, come off that pitch, I felt 10 feet tall. Hmm. He said, and on the Friday, we, uh, training at Manchester United was really fierce. They used to have an eight aside to finish off training. Um, not that teams do a lot on a Friday, but we used to have an eight aside. And this eight aside for, say, 20 minutes or so was really, really fiery. He said, and sometimes the eight aside on the Friday was harder than the Premier League game on a Saturday. <laughs> it was that competitive because, that was the culture that has developed at United. Mm. So as we walked off the pitch after training on the Friday, Alex Ferguson came up to me. So he said, put his arm around me and said, On Wednesday night, Michael, you said you were different class. Absolutely different class. Best game you've ever had for us, he said. Mm. Best game. He said, I started to feel ten foot tall. And then he said, But you're not playing tomorrow, you're on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I still felt ten feet tall because Fergie had said that to me, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and Alex Ferguson you know, he, he don't give out praise, you know, readily, and it's only when you really deserve it. And if he gives it to you, you know you have. So that was yeah. like a, you know, pat on the back. You're great, but you're not playing tomorrow. <laughs>
4: yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, thought, it, I thought that was good. Yeah, it must be must be great for you. How does it feel, sort of? You know, you, you sort of know all these guys and who turned into these big superstars. You know them when they were kids. Another man recently I'd like to ask you about in a minute, um, but Jermaine Defoe's just retired after a, a decorated yeah. career. Um he across several teams in the game as well. But just you know, when you go back and you mentioned you didn't really look back while you were while you were doing your thing during your career. Well, how did it make you feel going back and talking to all these players and just generally looking back at, at what you have done at West Ham?
1: what made me feel really proud and, um, I felt I'd I'd achieved something in, you know, in, in, in those terms, in football development and young young player terms was that how readily these players were eager and keen to open up to me and talk to me and give me the time Mm. of day. And I just felt that was terrific respect Mm. that they gave me the time of day, even when I pestered them again to give me, can you give me a quote for the book cover? because that's mm. what the publishers asked for. I thought, oh, I don't know. I keep asking them to do me favours. So,
2: mm.
1: You know, you feel as if you're imposing.
2: Yeah, of course. Um,
1: so, and then I sent, you know, a little message to Michael, uh, not Michael. I said to the publishers, what, he said, well, we want three players. So what three players? They went, Mark Noble, because he's still playing for West Ham, uh, Rio and Frank. I said, well, I'll try, you know, I can't guarantee that they'll reply or even want mm-hmm. to. But to a man, they were fantastic.
2: You yeah, know, the, yeah.
1: you know those quotes that are their words, not my words. I didn't.
2: No, of course. Say, can you put
1: your name? Can you put your name to this? It was their words, mm. and uh, you know that that made me feel really, really pr- uh, uh, proud. And um, it, and I think it just showed a respect they had for me, although mm. they didn't say that in so many words. But I think it showed a respect they had for me, and I thought, well, well, okay, I must have. Uh, Touch them in the right way in terms of, you know, I say touch them. I don't mean that literally. I mean, in no, terms no, of yeah. my input to their development, you know. Mm. So, no, that, that made me feel terrifically proud. And whenever I bump into, like, the Jermaine Defoe's of this world, or you just spoke about, you know, they're always keen to give me the time of day, always pleased to see me. And, and talking about Jermaine, what what a great finish. I mean, i I'm always liken Jermaine to Tony Cotty, mm. you know, in terms of their, their young careers. Very, very similar out-and-out out goal scorers. They're never going to be wingers or defenders or midfield yeah. players. They're going to be goal scorers. And um it was a lesson, really, in some respects to any coach or a lesson to any coach that um, there's a lot of coaches look for the things that players can't do. Right. And so, I've got, I've got to improve this. I've got to improve that because he can't do this. He ain't any good at this. He ain't any good at that. Fine. Obviously, you do that. And there is a program that, you try to work on players' weaknesses. But one thing you must never forget is every player is is where he is because he's got a special talent. Yeah. And and it's important that you, you improve that special quality, that special talent. So two or three afternoons a week, I'd take Jermaine Defoe out for training. I said, you're coming out training this afternoon, Jermaine? Because sometimes as he got a bit older, it was voluntarily. Right. So I said, you're coming out this afternoon. I said, I'll say, well, do a bit do a bit of finishing. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. He was always there, always wanting to do it. So he's always wanting to, you know, improve his finishing, practice his finishing. You know, left foot, right foot, different angles coming in on an angle, running through, dribbling around the keeper, coming in on angles. You know, where it's it's the the angle of the goal is tighter. Do I go in hmm. the near post or do, am I? Do I go cheeky and go across the keeper and hit the far post? So, so you're making all those decisions just during practice. So never ever ever um, forget to work on players super strengths and make them even better yeah and, and, and that's what i always try to do with those sorts of players and tony and, and jermaine were very similar I only needed one or two touches in the box so was one touch to set one, one touch to score or even mm. just one touch to score yeah and, yeah um, no great great players both of them and, and jermaine it, it was a special talent
4: so I know I know you've um, I, I know you've spoken to those names we mentioned there, Tony. And I still I know you still spend a, a reasonable amount of time with with Mark Noble at the moment as well. You only live around the corner to him. What's it like for you to know all these guys as? sort of kids or teenagers and then see them blossom into adults. Mark in particular got his own family now. It, it must yeah. be quite a strange thing. He probably first met him when he was 10, I guess, when he came yeah. to West Ham. Yeah. How, what's that like to see someone develop through their life like that and go from a, a child to a, <laughs> to a man and build their own life and their own career?
1: I think that one of the most important things we do as a football club or we did as a football club it, through the academy not just me, all the staff, Paul Evers, you know, people like that and, uh, and other coaches, you know, uh, that were at the club at the time, um, touching and, uh, and developing these players at various times during their career, was that we tried to make them good people as well, you know, mm. rounded, grounded individuals. So we tried to make them great footballers and develop their strengths, super strengths, and but we also tried to make them good people. And, and be respectful for others and, and Pete and other players that may not have the talent they've got and be mm. patient with them. Like we have to be as coaches, you have to be with patient with uh, certain individuals that don't grasp what you're trying to put to, you know, put on or, or ask them to do, excuse me, I'm going to cough. <clears throat> and um, it's important that we do that. And then when, when you, when you, you, you move them on, you pass them on and then they develop and they go into the first teams or they get transferred and you see them some years later and they're now grown men with their own families. It's great to see that they are grounded level individuals and, and they're good mm. people as well, being, as well as being great players.
2: Mm. But
1: they're good people. And I think that's, that's, that's as important to me that uh, we can help them, if you like, grow up and mature and, and use football as the uh, the means to get those messages across to people. So you know mm. it's how you behave on the pitch, off the pitch. Because people are gonna be you're gonna be you're gonna be role models. You may not want to be, but you are.
2: Mm. And
1: you know, they're gonna be looking at what you do and how you do things. And if you do things well, they'll copy you. Mm. If you do things badly, you know, there are some that would copy you as well. So yeah, yeah, sure. you know, it's important that you conduct Conduct yourself in the right way So mm. all these things, you know, we try to do and Through the academy system With all the coaches that, you know, handle These players in terms of, you know Through their teams and so on Until they eventually leave school Become full-time players and then Come with me on a daily basis uh, for, for the two years up to their Young professionals So mm. it's um, It's important that we you know We develop rounded individuals so it's a, it's a very much a holistic
2: approach.
4: Yeah, yeah. not with so the much, ball, but with the most, yeah. You know. Yeah, 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 of course, yeah. So as far as I said there, I'm uh, i am just I'm about a third of the way through, and I'm just reading through your bits. Um, at the moment, where you know all this, these these legendary, iconic West Ham names you work with, Ron Greenwood, and just read through your bit as an actual yeah. player, which some fans might not know about. He played. Um, West Ham up to sort of reserve level, and then a bit of time at Barnet, and your career was cut yeah. short. And you're working with Ron uh, Greenwood and John Lyle, and you know these these yeah. iconic figures that will be remembered forever among West Ham fans. What was your What was your favourite part of of the book to um, to write, or what bit are you most proud of uh, now that the whole the whole thing's been published?
1: Yeah, it's um, difficult to say. Really, it it, is, it was interesting going back to uh where I started and you know looking back and the, the humble beginnings mm. and you know in terms of you know as a, a council estate um in Bow you know in in, in effect bomb torn East London now yeah. every street corner every street corner when I was a kid was was a bomb site uh, and so we grew up in that environment and um you know we were poor but we didn't know we were poor you know, mm-hmm. because you know we were all well fed, we had clothes, and you know, but but you know, council estate in Bow, we didn't. We, mum and dad did them any, any uh, extra cash. Ended mm-hmm. up at burning on crouch on a, in a friend's caravan for a week yeah, once a yeah, year, yeah. and um, that's about as far as we went. So it was it was nice to reminisce that, you know, and sure. and um, not not be I suppose shame is not the right word to use, but. Now, not be afraid to say, well, that's where I started, you know, that's, what, yeah, you know, of course. that's where my journey started, like a lot of people, uh, that, that do, do well in all sorts of industries. And, um, and it was, and then to once I started on that journey, it, it, it was then a timeline of what happened and when it happened. Mm. Um, so it was nice to reminisce me school days days and, and to sort of try and recall some names that I tried to put in the book to sort of give them a little reminder that, you know, yeah, you were part of my development as a kid yeah, yeah. and you know etc. You know, you everybody you meet helped shape you. Yeah. You know, whether it's a teacher, whether it's a friend, and you know, I had I had I had lots of those. Um I don't suppose I was the ideal pupil in terms of academically, but I love I love school. I enjoyed school. I never I, I never used to, you know, I never used to take time off or bank off like yeah, a lot yeah, of kids. Yeah. I, I, I was at school every day. In fact, once one year I got a prize for 100% attendance. Did you? Yeah, I must much I love school, and um, and then that the journey began. You know, football. You you find football. So I, I enjoyed all those stages. Really, uh, I enjoyed reminiscing about the '99 FA Youth Cup winning team. Yeah, and
2: the
1: 1981 FA Youth Cup winning team. Both very good teams. And uh, I enjoyed reminiscing about those, and um, every every part of it really. I, I suppose when I look back as it as a whole, am I proud of it? Yeah, I've missed things out and I've forgotten stuff, and people have reminded yeah. me. You should you should have put that in. Oh yeah, I forgot that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's it's, it's done now. And I don't think I've got enough for a volume two. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, how
4: did you how, how did you feel then sort of read it back it? Was it a sense of, of pride? Was it or, or did, you know just, just pride yeah. proud of what you've done or missing anything? How did you make you feel? Well,
1: initially, I thought, is anyone gonna be interested in this? Is the honest truth? Yeah,
2: yeah. There
1: was self-doubt about that. I thought, is anyone gonna be interested in all this? Yeah, yeah. you know, really. I honestly felt that. And I thought and I said to the publishers is this too self-indulgent? And they (laughs) went, well, that's what an autobiography is about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that made me feel a little bit better. (laughs) I thought, well, yeah, Yeah. I suppose so. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, so there was always um, that uh, self-doubt that how well, how well would it be received? And in terms of, I think the football bits, the West Ham bits, all the West Ham fans will relate to that. But Mm. who will relate to me as an East, or in East London growing up in the, uh, late fifties and sixties in East London, you know, uh, holes in your shoes and t- tears in your jeans and so on, yeah. um, running around a, running around Devon's Road and the Mile Road with Penny and a guy, and yeah. um, all them years ago. And I thought, well, well, that's that, that that are facts, but who's going to be interested in that? So it was a little a little bit of an
4: apprehension about how it would be received. I have to say so.
0: The jury's yeah. out on
4: that one. We'll, we'll wait and see. Wow, I'm not sure about that. Just uh, remind us, Tony. When when's the actual uh, publication date? Well, officially the publication date is Thursday the seventh, which is this Thursday.
1: But obviously, yeah. you can you can order a, a pre-publication copy. And I do believe that uh, Foil's at Stratford have got copies now because well, I did a yeah. signing there yesterday, and the New End Bookshop have got some copies. And I signed a lot of copies to leave them there, so if anyone wanted a signed copy could go there yeah. i'm sure they could get a signed copy as well but um, it's foils yeah. at
4: stratford and the newham bookshop yeah
1: yeah and then hopefully in, in in the not too distant future we're going to do a book signing at the warp stones at brentwood
2: oh great. Which is, you know, great
1: my local uh town and um yeah i haven't got a date for that yet so i can't publicize it but yeah people but please look people- out for it if you're interested
4: People can order online as well, Tony. Yeah, they can order online. Just
1: go on uh, Amazon or Waterstones or Foils or Icon Books it's published by. But if they just put the title in, uh, Tony Carr, a lifetime in football at West Ham United, it will come up. And yeah, I think even Amazon, even at this early stage, are already given a discount.
4: So it might be in bargain basement (laughs) in about six months' time
2: to get (laughs) a quid. (laughs)
4: <laughs> i'm not so sure about that and certainly no doubt that that people be interested to read it one one thing tony i say i've um really appreciated the early copy you sent me so i could get stuck into it um i was sort of uh, interested to read that or you decided to start the the book and we've chatted about this the, already yeah in the last week or so but you decided to start the book at the end almost uh, as far as at the end yeah. of your West Ham career we've spoken a couple of years ago and sat down and had a chat about this time in your your career and you were you know great then a piece we did for the for the Telegraph at the time and saying you know there's no animosity and water under the bridge and you know you look back with fondness on your career as a whole but you you wanted to address your West Ham departure head-on because at the time it was under somewhat of a cloud so what what sort of guided that decision and um yeah sort of what was well I, I
1: thought if, if i start at the end someone planted the seed to me so well, why don't you start at the end and then because obviously people know you're not there anymore basically and and then from then on you start at the beginning so you in other words, hmm. your journey up until that point um and really i just wanted to address the, the, the basic facts um and, and that they're outlined in the book no, it's water under the bridge now in terms of animosity. I've got no animosity yeah, towards course, anybody, yeah. you know. And and you know, West Ham's still my football club, and and I'm still mm. a, a supporter as a kid, and I'm I'm a now a supporter as an adult. Um, and it was just the fact that I thought, well, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna talk about my career, I've got to, at some point in the book talk about myself leaving the club. So I mm. thought well, I'll just clear the air at the beginning. And say this is how it happened. I was called in. Karen said she was going to replace me, but she wanted me to stay. And uh, she was going to replace me with an ex-employee of hers at Birmingham City, Terry Wesley, who who I knew who who was working at that time, or just before that time for the Premier League. And um, she wanted to bring him in to freshen things up. So, um, and she said, because, you know, just recently you haven't produced players.
2: Hmm.
1: So I I couldn't argue. I just said, well, well, are reasons for that and she said well i've made a decision but we'd like you to stay and then i stayed for a, a year just over a year because i still had about that period of time 15 months or two nearly two years left on my contract and um so i stayed for that period and then just got a call to visit hr and they said it ain't working and um we don't think it's a viable position mm. and and that was it they offered me re- a redundancy or I could have a, a a role at the club which and it was a, it was just a number of hours but um
2: mm.
1: it, it equated to about once a week and um I just got the impression that I think they'd rather me leave and mm. cut my ties so I accepted the the offer and, and left yeah and, yeah um, but it was you know I think it I've said it it could have been done in a, in a better way i think i think they could have shown me a little bit more respect it may not it may not have um changed the outcome and mm. i would have accepted that because you know the title of my first chapter is nothing lasts forever and yeah. and that's the way it is and mm. uh, if, if there's any criticism the criticism i just thought they could have done it in a different way that was mm. all false yeah yeah and it's um you know i don't want to open up any old wounds no. So I just thought I'll put those those basic facts
4: in the book. Yeah, I think that's um sort of from your perspective as well, I suppose there's I think it was it was quite an interesting way of, of doing that as, as I was reading it, actually. I was surprised for it to be like that. But I think it sets it up nicely, like exactly what you said, it gets it out of the way, sets a stall out of sort of what happened. Um, and then you move into to sort of how you got there. I think it's really well done. Uh, Tony, it's been absolutely brilliant having you on the, the podcast again. Uh, one thing I'm just sort of interested in, do you look back, when you look back at your time, you obviously worked worked hard. Do you, you know, you say West Ham are your club um, and they were at the beginning before you were a working man and they are a sort of um, yeah. at the end of your career as such. Um, what do you, when you look back, do you feel... Lucky, because there must be so many people listening to this and who read the book. Um, and, and, you, you know, you've sort of talked candidly in the book as well about how your playing career didn't quite take off, um, but you were still yeah. managing to work in and around the club you love in the sort of first team elite environment for more than four decades. Do you look back at your life yeah. and, and feel lucky and, and for what you've done? And, you know, do you, do you have any regrets at all? Or is there just... Uh, I, I'm just interested, to, to the life you've had was so interesting yeah. and, and fulfilling, no doubt. I just wonder how you feel looking back. Yeah,
1: I, I feel I was lucky. I think I was lucky that I, I left an impression with John Lyle, hmm. you know, as a young player. Uh, and I started my coaching at the club. Uh, I passed my first coaching bag with, with the club, with a lot of other young players. We, we did a coaching badge under John and then the FA. And I think John... Uh, must have seen something in me, and it, it, obviously it wasn't as a, uh, a first team player, but s- and saw that I had maybe the right attitude mm. to coaching. So I was lucky in that respect that that I, I had John. I didn't know it at the time. John was a mentor, and mm. it, b- before I even knew what that meant, yeah, and yeah. Um, and he obviously guided me in my early career in terms of asking me to come back. And then guiding him in and encouraging me to come and sit on the bench of the first team. Come and sit on the bench. And if you see anything out there, this is the first team game. said, so don't be afraid to say something. Mm. So, and I'd be in the dressing room at half time. And at the end of the game, just sitting in the corner, listening and watching and you know, With the good, the bad and and the indifference. And um, so I learned so, so much. So I was lucky to have Ron and John. John more than Ron, because Ron was a bit more distant. Hmm. Ron, Did Ron you describe him head, as a
4: headmaster? Yeah, yeah, he was yeah, more
1: headmaster-like. I was just going to use that same term. He was more headmaster-like, Ron. And it was for years, I always called him Mr. Greenwood, Mr. Greenwood.
2: Hmm. And he
1: was he used to come back to Upton Park to watch matches. He always used to come downstairs, and I'd be there. And I'd go, hello, hello Mr. Greenwood. You know, and he's, I'm, I'm now a 40-year-old or wherever I was, <laughs> yeah. 50-year-old.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: And he, and he, he said to me, I think it's about time you started to call me Ron.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 sure. Yeah. So it's just the respect you showed for him. It's like meeting your old school teacher. You just say, "I oh, know, yeah. sir." You know, even though he's in, you're a grown man, they still called him sir, and uh, it's a bit like that with Ron. But I have to say that Ron, no one knew more about football than Ron Greenwood.
2: Mm.
1: He was so knowledgeable, good coach, knowledgeable coach, and had this way about him to talk in very simple terms and explain things. And that's where I learned lots of my anecdotes and my, my little tips and stuff when you know, when I was coaching. And mm. then obviously learned so much through John. But, yeah, I felt I was lucky. And then, the you know, West Ham, had, when I left, Slavin Bilic was my last manager, and, I, and I've said this before, up until that point, West Ham had had 15 managers from 1900 to 2016. Mm. Was it 2016, 2016. And I'd worked for twelve of them. They'd only had fifteen, and the only no, three no. that I didn't work for was Ted Fenton, who I didn't know, right. Charlie Painter, who was dead before I was born, probably, hmm. and um, Sid King. Sid King, um, yeah, yeah. So that because they were the only three managers up, And obviously there was two wars in between. So that could tell a lot of football between hmm. 1900 and you now, when Ron Greenwood took over in 1961-ish or whatever it yeah, was, yeah, yeah. Um, Phenomenal. And I worked for twelve of them, so I suppose I was lucky that they all see something in me and said, "Well, carry on, you're doing okay, Yeah, Keep yeah, yeah. You know? And uh, but as it went on, the managers took less interest in what was happening at the academy level, right? Because the first team environment became more pressurized.
4: Yeah, of course, yeah. And and,
1: th- and then we were more we were on split sites now. Yeah, we weren't we weren't all encompassed at Chabbleheath. Heath. We were on split yeah. sites, so the manager of the day, through no fault of his own, wasn't in constant contact with what was yeah, going yeah. on at the at, at youth level. Now, whereas in Harry's days and before him, now they'd watch the youth team training, they'd watch come and watch games and so on. But after that, with, with split sites, they took an interest, of course they did, but they didn't know they didn't know the players. Wasn't the same. Wasn't the same. Yeah. So they just said, you, know, you get on with it. I've got enough on my plate.
4: You know. So yeah. 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 Quality. Sure. Yeah. A, you know, if you've got anyone yeah. that's outstanding, let me know. But yeah. yeah exactly. Got, yeah. 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 Of yeah. course. Of course. Well, look, Tony, it's been absolutely brilliant having you on the the podcast again to so have a chat. The so I'm enjoying the book uh, so far. I Appreciate the early copy. And for those of uh, you want to want to go on, as Tony mentioned already, you can go and pre-order it online. The official uh, publication date is this thursday um yeah i mean if you love west ham you'll love the book basically it's just in just absolutely <laughs> riveted. And, and there yes, are a I'm few sorry. there are a few tony of course like you mentioned there already that have been there and seen so many different eras uh, of the club so it's uh it's absolutely brilliant yeah. having you on what are your what are your score prediction then for this for this thursday tony be a huge oh, game yeah. are you going to be
1: honest I, you know, I'm not going to the game Thursday. Actually, I can't go. can't, can't get there this week. I've got an appointment Thursday afternoon somewhere, and mm. I'm not going to be able to get back in time. But I yeah,
2: will
1: yeah. try and get home if I can. If it's on the TV, I don't know if it's on TV this week, but I'll try and, yeah, get home it will, and watch
2: yeah, it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, I, to be honest, I don't know a lot about Leon.
2: Mm.
1: Uh, I don't know a lot about them. But um, yeah. I'm in France next week because I'm going to visit my son. All right. Uh, and we're hoping to be able to get to the second leg. Oh, brilliant! Uh, because my son live my son lives in france so um i'm just hoping that we you know we're near enough to Lyon that we can get there and back and f- for that match for the second leg yeah league. yeah yeah but that might depend on the result of thursday but um, certainly um i'm hoping we can go away with any victory yeah you know a 2-0 cushion would be fantastic Definitely. a 1-0 a one nil would be good yeah. a 0-0 would be better than losing
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. so uh <laughs>
1: So I'm hoping that we go into the second tie, with you know, the second leg, with a, with a great opportunity to get through. And uh, my prediction will be 1-0 to
4: us. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, fingers crossed, eh? Hey, so exciting. Fingers crossed, well, he says, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Tony Carr, a lifetime in football at West Ham United. That's uh, published on Thursday, the 7th of April. Available for pre-order now. You get that from uh, Amazon, Foyles, Waterstones, like Tony said. Tony, brilliant having you on. Thanks, Thanks so will. much. Thanks, Will.
3: Hi, this is Tony Cotty, and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.